Well, good evening, everybody. This is a bit of a change from the usual format, which is uh, me doing a video. But tonight we're doing a live stream. Uh, I figure it'd be a good opportunity to um, do some Q&A and talk about some stuff that uh, has been going on with The Great Reset and some things that's been posted on Twitter. Uh, fortunately for me, because I suck soloing on a stream, I have Alex with me to talk about The Great Reset. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on, Ian. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Thanks for joining me. Like I said, this would be probably a very short stream if it was just myself because, um, yeah, sometimes being solo gets kind of awkward. <laughs> how are you doing tonight? How, how was your uh, your Christmas and your New Year's? Uh, it was fun. I mostly did um, video game live streams for the holidays. That's how I like to spend my holidays. So, um, like, I streamed, was it from New Year's Eve, I streamed The Witcher, the first game. And then I did... Um, I do on Christmas. I can't quite remember, but I did a bunch of like specialty streams uh, both weeks because uh, that's just how I like to have my fun. <laughs> yep. How are you liking The Witcher so far? I I actually really liked it. I didn't expect myself to. I uh, my game was incredibly stable, considering that a lot of people say that that game is not all that stable. And it um, was initially buggy at first, but I think um, CD Project Red has you know patched it since then. So, yeah, well, I mean, it's like it's the original one, so it's what was that 2007? So, oh, I mean, okay. I would, wow. yeah, not I'm not talking about the third one, I've never played a Witcher game before. Oh, gotcha. yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So, and I, I like the combat in it, I actually liked the system. I thought it like, well, it's not typical, I thought it was pretty fun. Mm -hmm. well, that's cool. All right. Um, so one of the things that uh, happened uh, while we were all on vacation was that there was a document. I, I wouldn't say it was leaked. It, it was published on Twitter. Uh, some people were saying it was leaked. And uh, then there was a bit of damage control that everybody did. Bev, if you can go and pull that tweet up, that'd be fantastic. Uh, but it basically kind of highlights what's coming, kind of going on with the Great Reset. And I think it... Yeah, it was a letter that was from the Dutch fin or to the Dutch finance minister, and uh, yeah, it's hang on, that's the the damage control one. Let me send you the other one. Yeah, that's it. Okay, thank you. And um, so this came out, and it, it's really funny because whenever whenever the Great Reset is in the news, they always say, "Oh, it, it's just this meeting that happens in Davos every year." And which it's it's not the case, obviously, uh, but that's what they try and push on the normies to, you know, basically kind of like uh, go, oh, you know, these conspiracy theorists, they're making it out to be something bigger than it actually is. And it's not if you if you pay attention, if you go to the World Economic Forum's website, you would know that this is absolutely not the case. This is an agenda. This is a plan. As they say, they're trying to transform capitalism. And uh, it's not just a meeting. <laughs> so. Yeah, the joys of uh, legacy media spinning the narrative, so to speak. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, though, is that the, we I've seen this kind of thing a lot where they go, oh, no, 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 it's not X. It's just the very definition of X. Mm -hmm. And that's their way of and, and And that's kind of like saying, I think you're stupid. So and you don't know the definition of the word you're using. So I'm just going to. That's how I'll pass it off. And it's like, even if you don't use the word, like, oh, we're trying to restructure capitalism or whatever, um, people don't need the words to know that 
what they're doing is counter to most people's uh, best interests. Right. And that's one thing that we've been seeing for a number of years now, which is kind of like the um, redefining of words, right? And yeah. Which is just absolutely insane. We, we, we've seen it throughout the coup. We've, we've seen it in social justice where they you know, change terms like racism, white supremacy, and yeah, we're, we're kind of getting here. So the areas that were um, <clears throat> highlighted here is uh, the discussion will focus on uh, shaping policies for the post-COVID-19 era under the themes of the Great Reset, which is basically the um, crisis that they've been using to try and push the Great Reset. It has been COVID. Beforehand, uh, they were using climate change. And before that, well, I, I won't say before that, they've been using that for a while, but they tried using the swine flu too. That happened back in, oh God, what was it, like 2009? Yeah, it, it was quite a while ago at this point. And yeah, that sounds about the right time to me. Yeah. And they've they've had these agendas. You had, um, I think, uh, maybe agenda 2015 or 2012. I don't remember. They, they've had several. They keep pushing it out, right? Because it, it's not working. They're not getting yeah. the buy-in like they've been wanting. So now we have Agenda 2030, which is where <laughs> they're trying to implement all these things in place uh, for you know the Great Reset. And this is all stuff you can find on the World Economic Forum's website, which is the stuff that's so funny about it when they go and spin what's going on. Uh, so it continues on the highlight areas. Um your contribution to the work of the Great Reset will especially be will be especially critical at the annual meeting. The forum will work with your staff to ensure uh, that your participation uh, becomes a major force in shaping the Great Reset. Um, yeah. So, and again, this was sent over to the Dutch finance minister. Uh, from Klaus Schwab. So, and again, well, and they're the, saying, go ahead. I was going to say the, the really insidious thing about it is the idea of them dictating policy. They would mm -hmm. say, we're going to shape policy. And it's like, well, that's counter to democracy because the people of, you know, whoever um, is in charge, you know, like whatever state official you're talking about, the people of that state should be the ones driving policy for their yeah. state. And so this, it, this isn't whether or not he is even a citizen of the state that he's sending a letter like this to, it wouldn't matter. He shouldn't be shaping policy. No. And that, that those two words together, I think is like one of the things a lot of people need to grab onto because that is very horrible to self-determined governance. Well, yeah, and, and a lot of this is kind of an affront to, you know, the democratic process because you have a bunch of unelected officials that are dictating policy. And that's ultimately what they're trying to get to is the state where corporations have a seat in government. <clears throat> that was one thing I was listening to that. Somebody tagged uh, Unsafe Space in on Twitter regarding this one um, podcast with Glenn Beck. And I, I listened to part of it, what, the, what they were talking about. And... um for the most part, I agree with what they're being said, but I think Glenn Beck actually had it wrong. He says that basically government's trying to get into all these businesses. I think it's the other way around. Because uh, I, I think that initially when I, when I started learning about the Great Reset, I thought a lot of it was going to be about, you know, a push for global socialism and you know, ultimately the end state being communism. 
And I've since changed my mind on this. And I think what the end state is actually is, is more corporatism. Having corporations help dictate policy. Um, and Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that interpretation. I do not think it's about the government getting involved in corporations so much as corporations taking over governance um, or at least driving it for the most mm-hmm. part. And um, one one uh, person who really recognizes that is uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, I mean, Woke Incorporated, there's huge chunks of chapters about uh, Schwab and what he's planning and mm-hmm. the direction of uh, decision making. And it's yeah. coming from the corporate side, not from the governance side. Yeah, that's the thing that's so, so crazy about it. it yeah, so you see uh, Square Inch is saying uh, corporate neo-feudalism. And when I initially had that discussion with Dr. Recknerwald, that, that was one of the things that he brought up too, was the whole you know, corporate feudalism. And uh, Plea says, you know, fascism in a sense. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it seems like that's what, more, what they're pushing towards. It's not communism, but some form of actual fascism between uh, corporations and, and, and governments, uh, which is, again, what we've been kind of seeing a push for here in the with the Build Back Better bill and uh, the infrastructure bill, stuff like that. Yeah. Well, and a lot of it comes down <clears throat> to disguising crony capitalism to get mm-hmm. people to be okay with it and, and thus expand it. Uh, because it's really like the more and more friendly corporations are with the government, the more it is just crony capitalism, whatever name they want to slap on it. Yeah. Uh, well, this, this iteration is stakeholder capitalism, which is pretty Yes, exactly. I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the facelift term, essentially. And it's like, well, it's not really, they don't, they're pretending to care. They're, and it's not as if corporations haven't done that in the past or large organizations haven't pretended to care to you know, slip through a ton of power grabs. That's that's an old story. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that people are either not aware or they don't care. Those are the two options. Yeah. There, there was one thing I, I thought was pretty funny. Like uh, I, so me and some friends, we used to go visit Dallas quite a bit, and I, I'm totally blanking on the suburb, uh, but there's an area in you know, it's a part of Dallas. And it's we have like a bunch of corporate headquarters, and then you have like mm-hmm. these um, neighborhoods around them. And that was like the the big thing that my you know, friend and I we, when we drive through there to go to a friend's place, we were thinking it's like wow, this is it reminded me a lot of feudalism, where you have like the church, and then like the village around the church and the castle, and <clears throat> you kind of had a lot of this same kind of setup where instead of it being a church or the castle, it is a um, corporate headquarters surrounded by the the village, so to speak. And so we made a joke about the uh, you know, whole thing with neo-feudalism. And here we are. This is like well over 20 years later. And we're kind of seeing, yeah. we're really kind of pushing for it. Yeah. Well, I mean, and the, the thing is, though, is that I don't think it's, um, like, I don't think it's new. I no. don't think this is a new thing that corporations would want to do I, or business in general. Um, anyone who, like, gets to a certain level just wants more. That is, like greed just you know it snowballs in uh human nature so i don't think this is new it's just that i think technology is speeding it along and making it easier yes. um I, I so we're seeing it a lot more 
because as more things get automated, it's easier for someone to pull the levers of that automation. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that really kind of bothers me is that, um, you know, my um, because of my background in technology, automation has been something I've, I've worked a lot in. And, um, you know, the, the whole selling point behind automation is it's supposed to free you up to do other things, which is, you know, kind of true <laughs> to a degree. Um, and it's kind of funny because I feel like I played my part in this and enabling some of this, not, not, you know, to, to a very small degree. I mean, it's not like I've invented this technology and I'm trying to propagate it, but the idea is that it, it allows, you know, a lot of this automation allows for the, um, you know, I want to say the lazy admin. <clears throat> if, if you work in a data center, it allows admins to be able to go and manage multiple machines rather than having to have like an unscalable workforce. You know, it basically kind of enables people to get free to work on other projects. That's like, uh, you know, like with anything, right? It begins with a good intention and then mm-hmm. not so much <laughs> gets used for nefarious purposes. I would say that, and I say this of any tool that including rhetorical tools, uh, there's nothing inherently wrong in the tool itself, right. like ever. It's what we do with it as people mm-hmm. um, that is that is always the case, which is why you have to have principles. Because if you have principles, then it won't matter what the tool is capable of. You won't use it for nefarious purposes. Mm-hmm. The problem is that some people are unprincipled. Yeah. And they will definitely use tools for nefarious purposes, at which point you have to have some sort of system to stop them from doing so. Um, and again, even that system can be used for nefarious purposes. So we just yeah. are constantly fighting this you know, center of human nature that is willing to uh, do bad things with just, it's just a tool. That's all it is. Yeah. And that's the funny thing about it is that, I mean, if you look at throughout human history, the reason why we're able to develop, you know, and become more advanced in in our societies is because of labor saving devices. And one of the things that I think a lot of people don't get or understand is the reason why, you know, you had the ability for to get women in the workplace was because of these labor-saving devices. I mean, there was labor that they were doing, you know, washing clothes, cooking dishes, et cetera, et cetera. And by coming up with a, the, the washing machine, the dryer, or the dishwasher, all these things, we were able to go and free women up from these tasks to allow them, I wouldn't say allow, but give them the <laughs> opportunity to enter into the workforce. Yes, uh, definitely. Like, um, a lot of women of means could have gone into the workforce if they Mm -hmm. wanted to because they outsource that labor. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, do most people of means want to go out into the workforce if they don't have to, Uh, you know, like that takes, that takes a kind of a special personality actually. But um, yeah, I would never like the, the whole thing about the the washer, the dryer, the dishwasher, the electric oven, the microwave. Mm -hmm. There's so, there's so many things that make our lives easier. And I, and I don't think that they made our lives worse on a like philosophical level. Like a lot of people think that, and I, I mean, they're like, Oh, we got to get back to nature and everything. And it's like, well, there is something to be said for nature mm-hmm. as a, a, a source of meaning and everything. But I don't think it's, I, I don't think technology is poison. I don't think modernity is poison to the human mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't think a lot of people really understand that, but the, those things are not the problem. The it, the rat race or the expectations you put on your life 
in addition to modernity is probably more at fault than the comforts of modernity are. Yeah, there's a really interesting comment coming from 731. Uh, our society is actually advancing. Um, we obviously advance as a society to get to this point. Yeah, I say we have. Um, or is it just the technology? It's kind of a combination of both. Um, there, there is a lot of interdependence on you know, the advancement of society and, and technology. Uh, has our civilization gotten better? Um, I, I would say we have gotten to a point. And here's the thing that drives me crazy about the modern age with all the civil unrest and things that are going on. We actually do live in probably one of the better times in the history of humanity. Uh, we have less wars. We have abundant food for the time being. I always like to say that for the time being because, well, you know, shortages. You know, we, we, we've we've hit this. I don't know if we peaked, but we, we've definitely become more comfortable. Less war, you know, advancements in, in medicine and surgery. And I mean, just like during my lifetime, just like the surgeries that my grandfather have compared to what, you know, I've had it has been tremendously different. Uh, it's become less evasive, stuff like that. So I, I would say that, you know, we have advances as a civilization. Uh, obviously, the technology is the tools that kind of allow us to, to continue to advance uh, along with, um, you know, probably some social aspects as well. Um but at the end of the day, I, th I feel like we've gotten to a point where we can very easily destroy everything we've built, which is um, is unfortunate. I say there's a good chance of that at any time. Like looking at, if you read a lot of history, like even just looking at things leading up to World War II, you can see that, like, to them, to, or not World War II, really more, more World War I, uh, a lot of people had it pretty good compared to their to previous generations to their parents to their grandparents and um they felt like during the war years that everything fallen apart and it mm -hmm. is it was worse than it could ever have been and the thing is though is that we've been getting um if you look at like murder rates throughout history um it's been getting better it's not mm -hmm. like violence oh, yeah. is less common than it used to be and uh, yeah, especially, up, till, up till last year, <laughs> yeah, up to the last up year. <laughs> you look at a, like, a, but even like a longer history than uh, the U.S., uh, violence is not a common death compared to how it used to be very common. Mm. And um, that, that I, I think that's something to be happy for and to safeguard. Um, we shouldn't let it get worse, obviously. And, that, and I'd say that's true of um, a lot of things, like the idea of our comforts and our rights. We can't let it backslide. And mm -hmm. to me, I feel like civil liberties are the one that we should be worried about. And Oh, absolutely. And the Great Reset is the, I, I feel like it's it endangers our civil liberties um, to a, a large extent, because as I said, they believe they have the right to shape policy, and that's that has nothing to do with self-governance and self-governance is essentially the foundation on which civil liberties will can exist. Otherwise you're, you, you are essentially subjugated. So mm -hmm. I, I feel like that's what we need to be most worried about backsliding, not, not even necessarily the supply chain or, um, uh, you know, 
our comforts and everything. I do think the civil workers are the most at risk right at this moment. Yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of the whole thing with, uh, you know, talking about the whole thing with the Great Reset is that um, I, I, I feel like um, the reality is, is that they're going to push for some sort of uh, totalitarianism or um, authoritarianism. And obviously, civil liberties don't survive under that. And that was one thing that Glenn Beck was mentioning in his podcast I, I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, there has been such a push for authoritarianism excuse me, authoritarianism over the last, I would say five years. Maybe I, It's probably gone on longer than that, but that's really when I started noticing. Because uh, that was like the big thing that they were talking about when you know Trump was rising to power and, and you know, getting elected is that he's going to be an authoritarian, which turned out to really not be the case. I mean, it, it's funny how they always kind of like blame uh, the, the, the other side with the things that they're really trying to do. It's projection yeah. or uh, would it... Um, Josh Slocum, uh, suspected podcast called it, uh, preemptive narrative mm -hmm. where you, um, because a lot of people call it gaslighting, but I, I, I kind of agree with that as a name of the tactic that you accuse your opponent of that, which you are doing, um, or essentially, uh, reframe what we would accuse you of doing, um, to apply to some lesser idea makes no sense and it's yep. it's kind of frustrating because then how do you talk about it like how do you even search for it you know when you want to talk about authoritarianism and totalitarianism or um fascism even they've they've diluted that word uh it's really it makes it really hard like i'm like people don't even know what fascism is anymore that they've said it so much no that <laughs> yeah I think it's been it's, redefined multiple times to the point where it's like, what is it? I, it it's yeah. also been overused. It, it's like with any word that we've seen that's been overused and misused, it, it's become meaningless, like, much like racism and white supremacy. It's been beaten to death. It's like, it's a great saying. If, if something, if there's always something, like if everything's racist, nothing's racist. If, every, yeah. if everything's something, then nothing's something. Well, yeah, yeah, it's, it's the same thing. It's, like, yeah. What was that? Uh, movie uh, The Incredibles when he says like and then everyone will be special and then when everyone's special no one will be no one's special <laughs> yeah for special uh, this is interesting so uh, Jada72 says fossil fuel production may soon decline due to depletion yeah um, I'll be honest with you I'm not, I'm not overly concerned about peak oil that's something that I, I remember having a, a discussion with my friend uh, from college back in like early this is after college, by the way. Back in the early 2000s, we're talking about peak oil. And they found other ways of getting oil, fracking, you know, shale, stuff like that. So, I mean, yeah, sure. Eventually, at some point, we're going to run out of fossil fuels. You know, that's a very good possibility. But there are ways around that. It's like the whole thing with ethanol, you know, basically using corn to go and, you know, create fuel. That, that's a possibility. Diesel, biodiesel, stuff like that is also a possibility. Uh, the other thing, too, uh, that Peter brings up is that abundant cheap food is also a product of fossil fuels, which is you know also correct. And as some of you have already pointed out, which we're all hopefully all aware of, is that there is a um, fertilizer shortage, which could ultimately lead to a pretty big food shortage in 2022, which is frightening. That is, I mean, I always am very worried about the food thing because my restricted diet the thing i'm uh, the it, 
the thing that really like drives me nuts is the whole don't eat meat is mm-hmm. that makes up the majority of my diet because I can't eat fruits and vegetables like at all. So I'm like, what are you trying to kill me? Like it feels like a personal attack. And it and I do react very emotionally to it because I'm like, what am I gonna do if you guys say can, can you, can you eat I the bugs? <laughs> I'm not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I, as I as I say sometimes, I'm like, uh, I will eat my neighbors before I will eat your bugs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far, but um, yeah, I um, that that's funny. I'll eat your ass. <laughs> that's all. Well, the, I keep saying this, and it because it drives me crazy. Because we, so if you scale up, um, a certain uh, agriculture you could possibly have an effect on the environment that you don't know you could uh, because you you hit a point that the, the environment can't sustain. For example, in Russia, they over-farmed plants in mm-hmm. one specific area that they depleted the, the water in a lake that created acidic rain for the area. Now, that no, has nothing... They had It had nothing to do with meat. So... Yeah. To me, I'm sort of like, if you scale up bug farming to feed the world, like everyone, you have no idea what the environmental impact from that will be. Yeah, that, that's uh, one thing they, they never talk about is the environmental impact of actually growing other, um, you know, vegetables and whatnot for, you know, vegetarians, vegetarianism well, and whatnot. That, that There's still damage that's been caused to the environment. Yes, definitely. For one thing, they have to kill a lot of animals to prevent the plants from being eaten by the animals. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, ground squirrels and stuff like that. Uh, tons of bugs get killed. Um, they destroy natural habitat when they clear. Um, so to, Yeah. So, to me, I'm sort of like, I, I don't see how this is better for the environment. And then if you're talking about an area that is subject to drought, then you're probably going to kill off natural habitat by taking the water source from it, um, creating uh, animals will run out of water. And then when the plants start, you know, getting too dry, then the the herbivores are not going to be eating anything. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't see how this is an answer. I always say cyclical farming is the answer where you, you rotate out plants yeah. and meat. I don't, I, because you restore your soil. They never talk about soil health ever when they yeah. talk about plants. And no, it drives they, they me don't. crazy. And I'm like, you can't just farm soil over and over and over again. Well, of course you can. We have fertilizer. <laughs> Where are you getting that from, you idiots? Petroleum. <laughs> Oh, so, God. has a great comment. It says, uh, are you familiar with uh, Nick Land's theory of accelerationism? I am not. Uh, I think you'd be very interested. Uh, it's, uh, okay, it's something related to his comment. Yeah, it, it, he also brings up AI, which is something I'm, I'm very concerned with. Um, AI and, and deep learning quite frankly, scare the piss out of me. Not not because it's a bad technology. It, it's like what we were talking about earlier with any technology. You know, it's basically, yeah, you know, it's how it's how it's being used. And that's the thing that scares me is um, 
you are you familiar with Prism? What happened back in uh, I guess it was um, 2013, 14 with Snowden. Oh, somewhat, yes. So he obviously you're familiar with Snowden. He blew the whistle on on Prism. Prism is a was a data collection system that was collecting the metadata on people's phones, you know, phone calls, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, that was the main concern people were worried about is, oh my God, the government's listening to my phone calls, which is obviously a valid concern. You know, it's something you yeah. should be concerned about. But the other thing that what people don't understand is that metadata defines you as a person, uh, what your patterns are. They have an idea of what your day looks like based off of this metadata. That's the thing that's so, that's so scary about it, is yeah. that they know when you go to work, you know when you when you leave and all these other things. They know when you go to sleep, based off of the this metadata that your phone is transmitting to the carrier, and that enables for them to go and be able to build a pattern on you. And when people start deviating from their pattern, well, maybe something is up, and then the government starts looking into that person. So that that's the thing that frightens me. So th- all this is being done with, you know, AI and deep learning. Yeah. Um, and AI is an incredibly useful tool. And, and again, AI, it, it's it's not actually artificial intelligence. It, it, it's basically a learning algorithm is what it is. That's able to go and classify things and and, and look at data and, and kind of predict things. It's not really a true AI like we, like we all think. Um, but yeah, it's scary because uh, this can be used and weaponized uh, against us. If you if you've ever seen the movie Minority Report, you know what I'm talking about. And so, psychics yes, you're just using artificial intelligence or deep learning, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, well, I mean, anytime you try to systematize um, controlling people and punishing people, those are, those are two ones that are the you need human interaction. Hell, mm-hmm. uh, healthcare, uh, freaking Dune. The entire reason why the the universe of Dune doesn't have computers is because they um, AI'd their healthcare and it uh, it gave a woman an abortion instead of helping her deliver her baby, and so people rose up against AI. That's the mm-hmm. Butlerian Jihad. So like, there's this idea that um, like AI will make everything easier, and it's like it it. There are some things that it won't make easier. It'll make them harder because yeah. if you've ever are, if you've ever really worked in trying to do something on a computer, like software wise, like really intensely, you'll notice you're boxing with it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the deeper that the, the more stringent the programming would be like with AI, uh, the harder it will be to get around whatever it thinks is the right answer and that's going to yeah. be a problem so they found out that they if they pair doctors with an ai diagnosis system um they tested them against each other they were not any better than each other <laughs> but together they were better than both of them alone right because the doctor uh, so the the diagnosis ai would send a bunch of possibilities to the doctor and the doctor would go oh i never considered that one yeah and it fits better and so ai can be useful with human interaction but it is i don't think it's out an input and the final say being in human hands (laughs) i do yeah i I, I agree it's it could be definitely a useful tool but the thing i'm afraid of and this is what we kind of you know i covered an article on monday on my channel talking about the 
offloading of decision making to AI. And it's like, that's yeah, a that's a bad idea. It's, yeah. it's great as an assisting tool, being may, maybe able to narrow things down uh, based off of the model that's been trained or whatever. Uh, but when it comes down to making decisions for people, that's what frightens me. Which, honestly, all this, again, what we're talking about ultimately does play to the Great Reset because uh, if you can get all these technologies in place and get people used to it, they can stop thinking for themselves and let the, um, you know, the system make decisions for them. Yes. Um, I, I, I've seen how big tech uses AI to narrow down what you're allowed to talk about. Mm-hmm. And there's no person you YouTube. can talk to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's no Twitter. person you can talk to 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 solve the problem. And I and you can see this on with a lot of corporations actually. You can see and they'll they'll try to pretend you're talking to a person sometimes. That's the one that's the really nefarious thing. And like but then when you start the thing is though is that sometimes I can't tell if it's a human being or not because having worked in the corporate world, the way that they train people to basically, here's your script, don't go off book. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's You might as well be AI. And they give you no responsibility to do anything. So they, and they cannot wait until they can replace that person with a bot. Um, yep. And they've, they've been working on it this whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have. And, and there's no way around them like how many times are like connect me to a person connect me to a person the million times and they just keep trying to circuit you through different bot you know algorithms and it's very it's very frustrating but they're they they're already doing it to us they've been doing it to us in especially in customer service especially in big tech Mm -hmm. uh censorship and you know when you're going to get demonetized when you're going to get uh, a strike or whatever you're never going to get a person and and i think that's that's horrifying that's a terrible thing yeah not they having talk- an appeal system is frightening the fact that maybe the you know the algorithm made a mistake and it's fortunately for right now like if a live stream or video gets demonetized you have the ability to submit for a manual review for the time being mm-hmm. which is good but if like you get a strike on something you, it's it's hard to appeal that i believe I don't know. Yeah. I, I've been pretty lucky. I haven't gotten a strike on my channel. I've gotten a warning. I've gotten copyright. It. I've gotten copyright strikes. And those that's are impossible. Yeah. yeah. Those are impossible to get around. They because they the person they send it to is the company that says they own it. Oh like, yeah. That's not helpful. <laughs> I get I get uh, claims a lot. It's funny because I, I, I use um Ivanto Elements. That's where I get a lot of the music I use for my videos and my introductions mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I always, every Thursday, I play this one song and I always get a claim. Holy crap, it's Carter. Look at that. <laughs> I saw you were Hi, live Carter. streaming and I saw that you had a thing in Discord saying, does anyone want to join? I don't even know what you're talking about. But no, we're like, talking yeah. about the Grace Reset. You know, just right now we're just kind of in tangent land, but it's fine. It, it, it all kind mm-hmm. of applies. We're talking about AI and how it's going to fail to improve our lives. <laughs> so... Uh, it, it, it will improve it in some ways, um, but it will also, I think it empowers, the thing I'm worried about with AI is it empowers stupid leaders to make really impactful uh, decisions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, I mean, to interrupt, continue on. I'm just, that's <laughs> no, it's cool, man. Uh, I, I think there's one thing, uh, um, Jado 72 is, is pretty spot on. It says, I don't think peop- most people will be in electric cars. Uh, we'll be walking and riding bikes, uh, like poor countries of the 20th century. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, that's one of the things that they're trying to push, right? Is these electric cars. But there was an interesting article that somebody posted on Twitter, uh, from earlier in 2020, where basically it says, um, there was a power shortage in California and it's, it's warning people not to charge with electric cars. And that's something that I think a lot of people don't really think about is that if we all go to electric cars, that's obviously putting more of a strain on our power grid. And yeah. as we all know, the power grid in California is, is kind of fragile. And at times in Texas, it can be fragile as well. And when you start straining them with everybody having electrical vehicles and not using fossil fuels like we've been doing, that's going to create a, a major problem. And again, it's it's much like that mile tax, right? It's the purpose is to limit uh, people's mobility, I think, throughout this country, which is scary as hell. Did you see that the I, UK yeah. is maybe going to, I, I think it's actually law that by 2030, they won't, you cannot like sell any more uh, a fossil fuel based uh, vehicle. No, I didn't hear about that. That's frightening. Yeah, and it is very frightening. Like, I know that they have their rail system and everything, but the problem is that um, electric batteries are still not to the point where they can really handle... No. Like, especially, like, they keep talking about, like, oh, where are they going to... Isn't it great? And it's like, I I don't know. Can they handle cold weather still? Like... These batteries don't. I don't, do I don't think so. Not not in like super cold weather. You need yeah something to crank it. I mean, it, it depends on the battery, right? Because I, I know that there you have cold cranking apps. Uh, I'm you know not an expert on batteries or cars, uh, but I know that in certain areas you have to have a certain type of battery, or your car is not going to start. Well, and then also you're putting more. There's more pressure on the when it comes to energy consumption in a cold area, whether or not the battery works uh, by you have to produce heat. Mm-hmm. A combustion engine already produces heat and then they vent it into the car to, yeah, to warm it. Not the, to warm it. So how are you going to heat the cars if the battery doesn't produce the heat? That's a really good question. I, I never thought about that. I, I mean, I don't own an electric car. <laughs> I assume they have electric heaters in them and vents and stuff. But, but uh, I think I what they want, the, the commies of yesteryear... Their utopia involved everyone with a hoe, not a, not like I got my hoe. Uh, <laughs> no, everyone with a, like a <laughs> farming implements in the farms. Oh, like, get to work in the field, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> that was the old. That was the old commie <laughs> utopia. I think now the utopia they want is they want all of us in cities, and they want the land to be. Uh, I would imagine their utopia involves their control of all of the farmland because they want to control what you're eating anyway. Yep. So mm-hmm. they they do they control all of the f- what's now called flyover states, and they stick everyone in major cities on the coasts and maybe a few other areas, and everything else is under their control. And because it's much easier to uh, have mass surveillance, it's much easier to have control. It's much easier to have social control in a city. Um, rural communities are uh toxic to uh collectivist plans oh yeah absolutely that that was um it's pretty funny one of the things i do on the weekend is i um i run a tabletop 
tabletop game with um, some friends I've known forever. And uh, the current game I'm running is a cyberpunk game. And it's pretty funny because I, I took a lot of inspiration from what has been going on in 2020. And that was kind of the thing is that you you have these massive sprawling you know cities that are on the coast for the most part and other other areas as well. And the, and the rest of, of the um, country is basically vacant. And you have, uh, which I, I kind of borrowed from Gattaca, the concept of valids and invalids. The, the valids oh, are the yeah. people that have their national mm-hmm. ID. Uh, they've been chipped. They have, um, you know, their vaccination, you know, all, all the stuff. And then there's invalids, people who are not in the system. Uh, some of these people, it's, it's been by choice. Some of it has been because of, uh, there was a massive data breach. And um, there was, you know, the national database was hacked into by a, a group of anarchists and basically wiped out a bunch of data, which caused a large segment of the population to be considered invalid. And a lot of these people either are living like the lower rungs of society, uh, homeless, or they fled to rural areas. And but the, there's parts of the you know, like I said, it's mainly vacant. But you have these large corporate farms out in the middle of nowhere that are you know producing um, you know corn for fuel and then actual food for people who can afford it. And everybody else is basically eating 3D printed food. So that it's kind of my dystopian vision of the future. <laughs> uh, so, oh, sorry. I thought you were, I thought you were describing Carl. Uh, what's his name? Carl Schwab's plan for uh, next well, year. Well, I am. I am describing Carl Schwab's <laughs> yeah. plan, but I, like I said, I incorporated it into this, um, you know, this game that I'm running for my, uh, for my friends. And uh, it, it was funny because when um, the whole Ukraine thing, because one of the things I, I um, that led to the, you know, basically the, the collapse was uh, World War Three starts with with Ukraine, Russia invading Ukraine. And then literally after that, everybody starts invading everybody. You have um, China going after Taiwan. You have India and Pakistan getting into it. And they're the ones that launched the first nuclear exchange. Then you have North Korea invading South Korea. And ultimately, it, it ends up with... Um, um, these platforms being built from space uh, that they start using uh, mass drivers to bombard various uh, countries. And that's what happens to the U.S. is that there's actually no land war in the United States. It's just China bombarding the United States with mass drivers. And eventually they go and they take the, the platforms and start bombarding China. Um, and yeah, it, it's weird. It's it's I, I think it's really interesting. And of course, I, I don't know if they're going to be getting cybernetics anytime soon but i know that with um neuralink that's definitely a possibility so the sad we'll thing see. is i don't know that cybernetics are necessary to control people no i think it's necessary to control people it, it well it, one of the, yeah, obviously the themes of cyberpunk is the cyberware so <laughs> um yeah which i kind of feel like we're heading towards right <laughs> a little bit a little bit there's the there's the chip which they said yeah. was a conspiracy theory <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, it, it's, I mean, I always thought it'd be kind of cool to, um, you know, for us to develop cyberware because, I mean, that could obviously fix a lot of problems with, um, you know, certain defects. Like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm blind in one of my eyes, uh, not permanent, or I want to say not permanent, not, not fully, but blind enough. And I, it's like, I would always like to be able to have that fixed at some point. Probably not going to happen in my lifetime. Maybe it could, who knows. But what frightens me about the whole thing with like the neurochip is, well, can it influence your behavior? That's the thing that frightens me about it. Is that's ultimately which I think would happen with it, is that um, that technology would be used to influence people's thinking more so than anything else. So who knows? Well, and I think yeah. a lot of it comes down to the whole social constructivist thing that people think that well, 
wouldn't it be a good thing if we could prevent people from hurting other people? And mm-hmm. it, and it's like, oh, Thought that's control. such an idealist, sweet idea. And it's like, it's still wrong because of the first principle of you don't have the right to tell other people what to do or how to live. And a big part of that is, are you really so moral that you should be the one at the reins of this? Mm-hmm. And no, because they think they should do it, they they never ask themselves that question if they if they are moral enough. And by the way, no one is moral enough. Yeah, that's one thing um, that's always been a theme in science fiction, right? Is uh, just because we have the capability of doing so doesn't mean we should. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I. It's not really different than the mentality of any kind of collectivist, right? It's it's they view humans as um, cattle, right? And oh, people need to be made to do blah blah blah. And there's never any like overt recognition that that means some people are in charge of the other people doing blah blah. Like you recognize that, oh, if you can stop Alex from behaving certain ways because you have a chip implanted in her and you can modify her behavior, but you're promising only to make sure that she's not a serial killer, that's a lot of power that someone else has. Um, And they just gloss over that as if it's a minor detail when when actually it's it's the most important thing about the entire proposal uh, is 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 the the deadly pernicious uh, abdication of your own free will to someone else. Mm-hmm. Well, that was one of the things that we're talking about before you jumped on was the um, outsourcing of decision-making to AI, which is, mm. I think, a terrible idea. There, were, there was an article I, I covered on my stream on, on Monday. What was uh, It was about, you know, offloading your um, New Year's resolution decision to AI. And then ultimately kind of come on, getting to the point where we're starting to offload decision-making to AI, which I think, um, well, it's obviously a bad idea. And I think it encourages people not to think for themselves, which is obviously, I think, what, you know, corporations and governments want because it makes people easier to control. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. scary. Well, and yeah, I mean, I think there's things still... that AI is great for, but not that. Mm-hmm. And there's also the thing to consider that... Um, People will mess with data to get the result that they want anyway. Um, and pretending as if those people don't exist is kind of naive. Uh, and especially if you're talking about someone who wants power over a bunch of people, they will be mm-hmm. totally willing to mess with the AI to tell them the answer they wanted in the first place. Well, yeah, AIs uh, are trained. That's the thing that um, most people don't get. And, and this has been brought up by the left, which is training AIs with a bias, which is absolutely a thing. You could definitely train an AI to have a bias. You know, you could have it trained to have a bias against conservatives, not just minorities. I mean, it's, you know, ultimately the AI is just as fallible as the person that's training the model. Yeah, not to, uh, I don't want to give Marcusa credit, but we, we, we often talk about his uh, famous essay, Repressive Tolerance, right? People, I think a lot of people have heard about this concept. Um, and there is some validity to the con- to part of what he's talking about, which is mm-hmm. there's uh, there's a particular framework 
um, for, I mean, basically he's talking about the concept of an Overton window in some ways without really naming it that, but there's a, there's a framework of discussion that's kind of allowable and, um, the, dis- all the discussion that takes place within that framework supports that framework because that framework is, is kind of where the discussion is taking place. And he's mm-hmm. making as a leftist, he's making arguments that that framework is a rightist thing, which is not true, but whatever. He was making arguments that like, Oh, we need to support the crazies over here who are completely going against this framework. We need to elevate their voices. Um, but with AI, I mean, if you've ever even seen, I see this all the time with, if you ever take any, uh, questionnaires about your opinions on things or even psychological surveys sometimes Mm -hmm. that are supposed to detect your political positions or that kind of thing. If you step back and look at the questions they're asking and how they're worded, uh, it's trivial to see the elaborate framework and assumptions and presuppositions that underlie all of it. And you think to yourself, Obviously, that would translate to AI. Like th- this is all just part of this framework about how we think about things. And you can imagine imagine if AI were developed in the dark ages, part of the framework would be the sun revolves around the earth. Like that would yep. be part of the assumption. <laughs> and like mm-hmm. that wouldn't even be questioned. It wouldn't be there wouldn't be a way to figure it out because it would just be an assumption. Um, and I don't know what the result would be. But it would certainly not be truth, right? Well, I think it, it would, would certainly distort the system. in favor of the of the Catholic Church for sure. It it may very well, yes, well, and, and probably not work out for Galileo. No, <laughs> here's the no, thing: I not. used to work for a survey company where I would cold call people and ask them questions from a script that they gave me. Um, it was a minimum wage job. I was in college. I. You know, I lived in a rural area, so there wasn't even that many options for work. This place hired people and went through them like tissue paper, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of and some of the questions, some of the surveys we had were political surveys. And one of them, I I taught English composition. So I'm sitting here and I'm re- I'm looking at these questions and going, this is like an obvious ploy to convince the callers to vote a certain way. Like, so and not only will the surveys you know, have all these presuppositions, but they could, in fact, be trying to influence the person answering the questions in the first place. And so uh, I, out of all the people I ended up asking those questions, only one per- person recognized what was going on mm-hmm. and was upset. And I'm like, you have every right to be upset. I'm upset. I don't want to like, it feels like ash to ask these questions. And um, it, it was, it was disgusting. Not every political survey I had was like that, but that one was especially bad. Yeah. So I see a very important question uh, coming from Anne, and she says, uh, how can we fight against this? And I have I have some thoughts. I think everybody does. Um, for one of the biggest things, like if you have kids, be involved with their education, get involved with the school board, pay attention to local elections, make sure that you're putting uh, people into office who are against these ideas. Uh, I, I think that is a very important thing is, is that, you know, think globally. This is funny because it's such a leftist thing to say, think globally, act locally. That is very true. Uh, that, that is the, you know, beginnings of what you can do. Uh, just pay attention to where you buy your products from uh, as much as, you know, I, I, I buy way too much from Amazon. Um, it, it's, I've cut down a lot of my purchasing from Amazon 
I still feel like I buy too much from Amazon. Uh, buy local if you can, buy from other websites uh, that are maybe smaller businesses, but we need to stop funding a lot of these companies that are for this stuff like Amazon. Microsoft is difficult because everybody uses freaking Windows. Uh, same thing with Apple. I love my Macintosh. You know, I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I've gotten to the point where I've had to start thinking about w- why do I continue to buy these products that are basically counter to my values and my worldview? Uh, one of the things I recently, there's two things I did. Uh, one of them I don't have on, which is my watch. Uh, I um, I got rid of my Apple watch. That was the first step. That was a very difficult step for me. The second thing is I, I, um, I got rid of my iPhone. I have a um, a Pixel phone, which is ironic because it's Google, but I loaded a custom operating system onto it called Calyx, which is supposed to be about privacy. So I'm I'm slowly have been weaning myself off of um, these big tech companies and these conveniences. It's like this phone is great, but there's it's not as convenient as my iPhone, for sure. It's it's recognizing these things and trying to remove them from your life as much as possible. Stop giving these companies that are for the great reset power by giving them money. We, we got to find alternatives. Uh, but the, the big thing is, like I said, it, it's um, think globally, act locally. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts are on that card and how can we push back? I'm a big fan of the rising DeFi movement um, because the decentralized finance... So. Dealing with the, the the problem is that the U.S. government has tried to strangle every kind of crypto possible, and they've done a good job to kind of destroy have. the crypto industry. But there are other places in the world where you can found companies and do things, and you can interact with Americans, and uh, like that's not a problem. Um, Portugal is a great place. There's no crypto tax at all in Portugal, and it's becoming. Uh, someone just today described it to me as the, uh, I guess there's a billboard in Lisbon that says uh, silly coin Valley um, because all the crypto people are, are moving to Portugal. But um, look, this system is built on money uh, and underneath everything uh, is, is a financial network that is in bed with, the men with guns. It's in bed with the government. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not, you know, a, a true free market. The most important separation uh, of powers in a free market is the separation of money from government. And we don't have that. And we yeah. haven't had that for a really, really long. 1913 is when the Federal Reserve was created, right? Mm-hmm. We haven't had that Never for else, a really, yeah. really long time. And you have very, very large financial institutions in bed with a number of governments. They all have a vested interest in maintaining the status quo. Um, You also have some financial institutions that make money loaning money to governments to conduct wars. Uh, They view it as um, an investment, right? Oh, this this guy, this strong man looks like he'll be able to invade this country and give a good return on investment, so we'll lend him money. It's not quite that obvious anymore, but uh, they they absolutely are all in bed together, and so I I not I don't want to push agorism completely, mm-hmm. but getting out of the the financial system. I mean, it's inevitable that the U.S. destroyed crypto inside of the U.S. because the U.S. I mean, New York is the center of uh, 
the finance industry in the Western Hemisphere, basically. And and this is where this is ground zero for the the orgy between you know money and government. So they absolutely needed to to destroy crypto. And it's no surprise that smaller countries like Portugal, who no one gives a crap about, are like, well, we don't really care if New York falls and the entire financial <laughs> crash. It's like we just want some more people here doing businesses. So sure, crypto's crypto's welcome. Um, so I, I think getting out of the system, it, it's surprising how much you don't need to spend if you really, you know, if you really think about it and work at it, you don't have to be spending as much. Um, you can be saving. You can be moving that into assets that are untraceable, that are outside of the control. I mean, frankly, paying your taxes is probably the worst thing you every everyone does to support the system. I'm not saying yep. don't do it. Uh, you might end up in jail if you don't. You will. Like, you will end up in jail. <laughs> that's right. That's the worst thing that you do, though. Right. That's the biggest support that you offer is you pay taxes. Well, a, a good, a good friend. This happened to a good friend of mine. Legal income. His, right? his dad basically did the whole thing. I'm not going to pay my taxes, and I don't know if he actually did any jail time, but he definitely went to court. And um, I think maybe he spent like a year in jail. I, I don't remember, but it was. Um, they'll, they'll come after you. Yeah, they'll, they'll yeah. come after you for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but but you can um, you can I think there's alternate economies starting, which is great. We're starting to see a lot of alternate tech companies. I think that will continue. We'll see alternate economies where even if they're above board, um, at least they're not doing business with the Wokies. Uh, and I think there's and then there's the the gray and black markets of the crypto world, mm-hmm. um, and just frankly, bartering and all that kind of local stuff that you can do face-to-face, one-on-one that no one has to be aware of. You know, if you really want to, if the, the best way to make a change is anything you can think of that defunds the government. <laughs> oh, yeah, which is very difficult to do. It is. Uh, another, another thing, too, I, I think you need, to, uh, a lot of us need to pay attention to um, uh, ESG scores um, for those. I, I mean, I did a video on it, uh, environmental mm. social governance scores, which are just driving everything in tech right now. Uh, I, I've worked in tech yeah. well over 20 years and I, I started sh- seeing a shift uh, with this, with the company I worked at. Uh, what the owner would say, start certain, say certain things, which I thought was very kind of counter to his personality. And that was before I, I learned about ESG and now I know where it's coming from. And it's like, you know, the company I work for now, it's it's completely driven by it. It's it's an, it's insane. Um, yeah, I think it's a bubble. I, I think it's the next bubble God, I hope because it is. it's 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 false value. There's no val- actual value in any of those scores. They're so arbitrary. So to me, I'm I'm sort of like I wouldn't invest in anything that was doing high ESG or even moderate ESG because it's all going to tank. I'm absolutely mm-hmm. certain of that because there's just the whole point of investing in a company that you like more for their social uh things is that they're probably your return on investment is probably not going to be as good versus uh investing in something that doesn't care that much about social stuff your return is probably going to be better so uh, well look at blackrock though i mean these companies have make trillions of dollars you know managing assets they have very deep pockets which allows them to kind of fund this stuff the ESG stuff is all a lie, though. Oh, 
That's yeah. the problem is that like BlackRock has well, it's, cor- it's corporate virtual <laughs> signaling. And, and yeah. it's funny because I, I, I see it with the company I work for. It, it affects all their decision making when it comes to hiring and, you know, all this stuff that, you know, what, what they're doing with their product, so to speak. It, it's all being driven by this, you know, silly ESG stuff. It's not about, you know, actual quality or, you know, fixing the wrongs of the past. It's nothing more than, you know, corporate virtue signaling. And, and a lot of people ask me, with, specifically with entertainment, you know, when is this going to end? How can we stop it, et cetera? Same, same kind of questions, right? And it's like with, with um, you know, really good example, this is Marvel and DC Comics. It, it, with, with the virtue signaling they do, they've been doing with their books, it, if they were not owned by larger corporations, they'd be out of business, hands down. And the only reason why a lot of these companies are able to get away with pushing ESG is because of the deep pockets of the companies that are funding them. Yeah, but I I, I want to I want to push back in one sense, not completely. Like I I agree they will go away, um, but it doesn't mean only they will go away, and it doesn't mean that like so you can think of ESG as a tax on a tithe to the social justice gods, mm-hmm. right? That's what it is. And that means that all the businesses that are doing it are operating suboptimally. They're less efficient than they should they could be otherwise. It doesn't mean that they're not profitable or that they'll die. It means that they're less efficient than they otherwise would be. And obviously, in a free market with a competitor who was more efficient, that would slowly over time, uh, they would take market share, uh, you know, on average, and those companies would die. Mm-hmm. Um, but the two things I want to point out is one, in the U.S., the ESG scores are so tied to the, so they, the ESG scores are designed to be viral in the sense that your ESG score goes down if you do business with a company with a poor ESG sto- yep. score, and mm-hmm. your ESG score goes up if you do business with a company with a good ESG score. So, being you can't just maintain your ESG score without. Um, without an incentive at least to encourage strongly people that you do business with to do the same. And that might be dropping business if they're not, you know, if they're hurting your score. And so it's designed to really um, uh, hit this critical mass where most companies, it becomes this thing that kind of everyone has to do, which means everyone's kind of paying this tax. And that system could last indefinitely, theoretically. Mm-hmm. Um, if there was no pressure from the outside, it would just be less efficient. Yep. Um, where the pressure is going to come from is, look, guys, I, I hate to <laughs> be a broken record on this, and I, I know they're outright commies and stuff, but Asia doesn't give a crap about any of this. <laughs> Many pl- India doesn't care either. Many places in the world think that we are absolutely buffoons for doing all of this. They, they, it is. Uh, okay. Carter, I'm going to push back on that. Because, well, at the end of the day, what they want to do with ESG is roll it out to people and they want it to be social credit. This is the way yes. of them backdooring social credit in the United States, because this is something that they've rolled out to China and it, well, China you, has social credit already. Yes. Yeah. Well, yes. They, yeah, they, they've been working on it for a number of years, obviously. Uh, I, 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 talked about the Chinese social crescent since I, I found out about it back in 2017. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, and this for me, ESG is, it's not just about the wokeness. It's ultimately about controlling people through it. I agree. So not just so, companies. No, no, but I agree. But my point now is you have 
the Asia doesn't care about the ESG score. They do yeah. care about something else. So they have their own tithe, right? Yes. <laughs> and their own thing they have to do. And the question will come down to whose is more efficient, right? Yeah. Like ultimately, <laughs> all things being equal, it's like, okay, whose is more efficient? And the other thing you have to remember is that, you know, you mentioned deep pockets. I think, I mean, I'm saying this as someone who lives in Silicon Valley and has lived here for 20 years and been involved in startups. Silicon Valley's been dead in terms of its entrepreneurial soul mm -hmm. for a while now. I really believe, like, if if I, let's take politics, philosophy, everything else away. If I was going to start a company, it would not be in Silicon Valley. It would have been in Shenzhen even years ago, right? It wouldn't mm -hmm. be here. If I didn't care about governments or whatever, and I was just like, it. It's not. It's not. It's not what it was. Um, yeah, but, I agree with you. Yeah, but those. It's one thing to say deep pockets, and another thing to realize just how deep those pockets are. This can go on. They can bleed cash and suck for a really, That's my point. <laughs> really, really long time. We will be well dead before they <laughs> run out of cash. Like they can, this can be a really, really torturous, slow death because they've got a lot, a lot of cash. So they might be living on borrowed time, but it's a lot of time. Yeah. I've always oh, said that the they don't, uh, that they don't care about the money, that the money is not the, the goal anymore. The the goal is the, the money is the vehicle. People. What? The money is the vehicle. Yes. It's the vehicle, but yeah. they want to control that's that's what their actual goal is. So they will be willing yes. to sacrifice some money to do that. Clearly, yeah. Because some of these people are just doing it pragmatically, right? Maybe you're bossy and I don't know. But you're, maybe your company's like, well, we got this freaking ESG score. I guess we got to go mouth some things that, you know, whatever. We got to go do some stuff because otherwise we'll lose this client and we won't be able to do this or our bank or whatever. Okay. Uh, those are, you know, people without principles and I'm not saying they're, they're good, but there are also just straight up believers um, who are running some of these companies who are like, yes, ESG is excellent. I love it. I'm happy to pay this tithe to my God. It's a religion. <laughs> yeah. A, um, a, um, oh God, secular religion. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah well, I think you know, we that. love as we've been, you know, calling that out for a while, which is, it's funny, right? It, it, it's funny how the people in the secular religion don't realize it's a secular religion. But the the other thing too, which yeah. I, um, which kind of goes hand in hand with ESG scores, is employee resource groups. Um, which uh, have you have you run into that? I don't know anything about those. Tell me about those. They're basically special interest groups within a company that revolve around arbitrary traits. Uh, so. Uh, Typically, oh. what we saw with the um, stuff going on with Netflix and Dave Chappelle was the trans uh, or uh, I guess the alphabet uh, employee resource group. Um, oh. the, yeah. Yeah. So you basically it, it's groups within the company that are special interest to a degree. Um, the company I work for has are them they too. funded at all by the company. Is it like the HR department is like, here's some cash and some organization. I don't know if they're funded as much as um, they basically, I, I, I don't know much about them. I, I'm, I'm just aware of them, but basically, like I said, they kind of act as special interests. I don't know if they're funded. I guess um, funded is the wrong word. Are they like, is it like 
employees Jordan. voluntarily and without HR get together and say, hey, we're Alphabet. Let's have a little group and meet on Thursdays. Or is it like HR says, we need an Alphabet group and you can have XYZ conference room. And why don't you set an agenda and tell us what to do about ABC, blah, blah, blah. Right. Being yeah, that I'm not involved with them, I, I can't tell you per se what exactly they do. But they are basically, I, I would say, sponsored at the very least by HR. As yeah. to what you know, official capacity. Honestly, I don't know. It's one HR of those things I think we need to look into. Oh, they are. I mean, HR is the it's the disease vector into every. It's just, yeah. this is where all the all the bat, not all of them, but a lot of the really horrible ideas. Most of the social justice warriors they mm -hmm. come in through HR, right? Oh my and, god! Uh, <laughs> Tell me about yeah, it. it. The diversity and inclusion training I had to go through it was pretty funny. Uh, I I was. Um, um, yeah, I, I saw that, uh, Zian Reborn. Uh, I'm curious what he mean by swatted. Swatted as in he was swatted like a fly, as in you no, took him like out, or the police the showed up at his place. Yeah, swatted by the Let's cops. No, oh, God. Yeah, I see that now. Swatted by the cops. Holy shit. How do, how do you swat a live stream? Don't the cops know, like, uh, we can see what's going on. There's cameras. <laughs> I, well, they, I, I, okay, if the cops are watching Tim Pool, I, I seriously, I, I doubt it. It's, it's more like there's an incident going on at this place, and you know, sending the SWAT team. I don't know. Uh, that's that's interesting. <laughs> they say, I view swatting as the initiation of force and attempted murder. Yes. I view swatting as attempted murder. If it you is. do that, yeah. you should you should go to jail for attempted murder. Oh, I, I agree. Well, um, uh, and it, I, Mede, the of owner of Alterna Comics was swatted. That's right. I've heard a lot of like uh, live streamers talk about it before, and what they say is like at, at a certain point you need to contact your local police and tell them that you are a live streamer and that this could happen. That nothing is going on at your home except for a live stream. Uh, and like some people have said, it's worked out in their favor because then cops have called them and said, "Hey, we got a tip, and I know we have contact with you previously." But that kind of depends on the culture of your police force locally I probably shouldn't <laughs> tell the police what i'm doing <laughs> they might be like oh we need to swap that guy <laughs> yeah frightening stuff okay so super iron bob and a big tech company i know it is endorsed by management yeah it typically is and anyone uh who comes up with one is given resources and uh mentions in all hands yeah Unless it's the straight white male club, and then in which case, yeah, you're not gonna get it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good times. Yeah, good yeah. times. So wait, I have well, a question. You posted in Discord. I don't know if you posted. I don't know if you talked about this. You posted a letter in Discord. Did you guys talk about that yet? We, we talked at the very beginning, and we quickly oh, got I diverted into other topics. But we can we can bring it back up. Yeah. Uh, which is, is funny because, yeah, so th this was a, a letter that was sent to the Dutch finance minister uh, a, a, about uh, the Great Reset. And, you know, we, we, we kind of covered some of the text that was on, on there. Yeah. Thanks, Bev. Um, yeah, I did. I did read the letter. So you don't have to you don't have to like, you know, do you talk about this? So this this is a I mean, when I looked at this, I was like, Wow. It's not a conspiracy, like it's not like a behind the doors. It's just like a public meeting conspiracy. What's the? It's like, hey, 
<laughs> How do we use COVID to do the Great Reset? Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, the funny thing about it is like when this got released, Bev, if you want to pull up the other thing I sent you, uh, this came up the exact same day where you had Reuters putting out this article talking about the Great Reset. Yeah, this is it. it this was trending on Twitter the exact same day, uh, maybe even afterwards, that basically calling... The Great Reset, it's not what you think it is. It's not some sort of conspiracy about globalism. It's um, its just this annual meeting that happens every year in Davos with the, with the World Economic Forum. It's okay. It's okay. Quiet down. It's yeah. fine. Don't, well, don't listen to all the shadowy leaders of the world that get together and decide how to what to do with yeah. your money in life. Well, it's yeah, like, and, and oh, they, they're not, it's not a global conspiracy that, that that where they're planning to control everything, but it's a meeting where they're planning to control everything. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's like the redefinition of words. It's like uh, how Fauci redefined game of function, right? I mean, it's the same thing. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, Marx was dumb. Marx should have been like, no, no, I'm, I'm not trying to destroy capitalism. I'm just trying to help the economic recovery with my new proposal. <laughs> <laughs> Spot like on. I said, it's the, it's the corporate phrase because I've heard it from corporations more than anyone else. Where it's like, we're not doing X. We're just doing the very definition of X. Yes. Right. Well, yeah. the funny thing about it is like every, every time I, I see a hit piece, and typically it's when it starts trending on Twitter, something gets exposed. Uh, you start seeing... Yeah, the oh, I want to say the access media. It's something with entertainment, legacy media. Axios, that one, or well, oh, Axios. Okay. No, access media means people basically will do stuff for access. Oh, access oh sorry, to, okay. to movies, but yeah, it, okay. Um, it, it kind of goes hand in hand. Legacy media, um, mainstream media, whatever. They always write these articles when something comes out saying, "Oh, it's just you know a bunch of conservatives that, and they're, they're being silly." You know, it's this meeting. And it's like, no, man, it's, it's like there's a freaking book on it. I mean, Klaus Schwab wrote a book telling exactly what he's going to do. And they're, and they're trying to yeah. say that, oh, you know, COVID was invented to facilitate. No, no, no. People were taking advantage of the situation, just like with anything. They're taking advantage of uh, uh, not they're not letting a good crisis go to waste, ultimately. Right. So it, it, it's just I, I think it's hilarious. But all the information is right there in plain sight. Yeah, but yet they still I mean, write these articles. No, 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 no. It's not what you think it is. No, it's exactly what you think it is. It's those articles aren't written for. Obviously, they're not written for us. No, they're not. I think it's, it's I for think the normies. They're written for. Yeah, and I think they're written for specifically. I think they're written for anyone who hears who hears something about this mm -hmm. has a little bit of anxiety but is too lazy to do real research. Exactly. And that person is just searching for, please give me something to feel better. Yes. And and sort of like, oh, here's a headline that will make you feel better about it. Yeah. They're wrong. It, it, it's, it's not that. It's the definition of that. Okay, it, it, a really now. good parallel for this is it, it, it's the peaceful but fiery protest. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, well, exactly. To me, it's the, they're telling the, same, the exact same information as the conspiracy theorists. The, the information isn't changing what they're saying is going on. It's just the tone by which they do it. Like the person who's telling you the truth is like, this is scary. This is frightening. Pay attention to this. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. It's not scary. It's totally, it's totally fine. But the information is the same. So it's, it's really a, a definition of tone and like, like, oh, this one, this person's comforting me. So I'm going to go with that one. Mm -hmm. As over, over the, the person who's lie. telling me I should be scared. <laughs> yeah.
Yeah. Yeah. yeah. Um, what, el- what else do you think that we can do to push back against the Great Reset and the you know, stuff that's been going on? Maybe Alex has some. Alex didn't. Yeah. Ask well, well, yeah. Sorry, Alex. You, you didn't. You didn't get chance to talk. I did not answer that. Uh, and I do. Um, m- while I agree with both of you on what you had to say about what we can do, I do think we need to recapture um, some major cultural influences. Oh yeah. Uh, by which I mean entertainment. People will will always want to be entertained in some way, and I think we need to get that out of agitprop because right now that's what it's mostly being used for mm. or, or, you know, a, a soothing bomb for the public. And I, I think it would be a good idea if we took back some of that uh, territory, because for example, like I've talked about this before, the fact that the literary novel is completely captured. Um, so we need to like promote artists who are not captured artists uh, same thing with movies and music and all, all that stuff. I, I think we really need to push that as much as we can and maybe not give traditional Hollywood or, you know, traditional record labels as much of our money as we have been. Same thing with publishing houses. They're all in New York anyway. <laughs> well, that's one so thing I, I like that Ben Shapiro is doing. You know, yeah. he, he's doing the whole thing with, um, you know, making entertainment and that's one thing i know temple has always talked about is we have to create culture and i completely agree with that mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, I i'm in agreement with that as well and I, and even though i went on the agorists route before i i do want to say i think the most important thing of all this is what you said at the beginning and which was like it's our it's really about our kids like we're i mean we're done, guys. I mean, it's hard. <laughs> we're all old enough. I'm not even calling you guys old. I'm just saying we're all old enough that people our age are unlikely to change their opinions in a major way. They're unlikely to change their fundamental psychology. They're very unlikely to make major uh, life decisions. and It just doesn't happen. On yeah, it's, it's, it's the reason why the woke want to get hold of your kids. Yeah, and, and they have been way – the left has been much smarter – Oh, yeah. Um. Then, then anyone else about uh, the importance of owning the academic institutions and owning your children, and every communist country, uh, every every plan for communism or socialism always contemplates early childhood education, if not outright state parenting. Um. Oh yeah. Because that that's that's in that's. Uh, because because the collectivist ideologies are based on this idea that that this false idea that humans are a complete blank slate that can be programmed by the right ideology to behave in the way that will make Marx proud, right? So, uh, and that's obviously false. That doesn't work. That's not how humans are. And but that's that's what they believe. And so they. But there is some truth to the fact that if you get a kid early, you can absolutely. Um, you can absolutely uh, make a huge, huge impact. And they have controlled – I mean it was smart how they did it, right? They came in through esoteric subjects like PhDs in philosophy started saying absolutely ridiculous mm-hmm. things. And 
it slowly moved through the humanities departments and art started to really, really suck. And everyone was like, gee, that's weird. Why are we throwing paint at a canvas and saying that's art? <laughs> I don't know. Yep. That's the thing now. Uh, and like, you know, and that it just kind of slowly it seeped out into the rest of the humanities. It seeped out into economics. It seeped out into like history. Eng- I mean, English, English departments are basically just postmodernist indoctrination <laughs> departments at this point. That's all they are. They don't actually teach any English. That's um, crazy. Like that's that's how it is. And then, of course, it starts to go even outside of humanities and starts to bleed into the hard sciences, as unbelievable as that might be. And it starts to be, get pushed down into high schools, junior high schools, elementary schools. Now we have that, you know, uh, what is it? The, the, the gingerbread trans thing for <laughs> like preschoolers about, Hey, three-year-old, what gender are you? They're an yep. infinite number. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, hey, 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 Bev, share this. Cause this plays into what we've talked about, um, in a, in a lot of ways. Um, it, it, it's funny. Cause I covered this in my last video. Okay. Uh, yeah, there we go. Uh, th- this is, uh, from oh, yeah. whitehouse.gov with build back better. And it, and it talks about the whole thing and, and it really gets into what you're talking about with the, getting them early, right? Because it starts off with Linda, who's a mom. And, right. you know, she works for a factory and only only makes $40,000 a year. But we haven't mentioned a dad. I, I guess yeah, there's we, a reason No, we haven't. We go. haven't mentioned a dad. Yeah, Let's you're find right. out why. <laughs> yeah. So, um, there's it, no it goes father. On. Yeah, there, well, yeah, there's no father in picture. The father is never mentioned. But, you know, oh, okay. the, kid, the kid is born. And so she starts getting this tax credit, which is, you know, the $300 per month. Uh, so she could buy, you know, groceries. You know, the tax credit is nothing new. I've always had a problem with it. It was pretty funny. At the time they first started talking about the tax credit, uh, one of my roommates, you know, well, actually, I would say one, um, I had some roommates that were a married couple and they had a kid and they didn't make a lot of money and they were getting the tax credit. I was like, I'm so against that. He's like, why? It's like, I'm on it. I was like, it's kind of obvious, man. It, it, it's like, he just didn't earn it. You know, it's like, hey, we're incentivizing people who can't afford to have kids to have kids. Yay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, and, and he goes into pre K. And this is yet another thing that they've been pushing. And this is something that I know was pushed years ago in, in where I live, um, pre-K. And of course, they want to do this, you know, pre-K everywhere. And um, I wait, I'm going to defend tax credit. I, I do support tax credits for children if it is in the following form. You get all of your taxes back if you were ever a child. And <laughs> yeah. That I'm totally down with. I'm oh, sorry. This this is where they get into the whole pre-K thing, which is the free program, which is, okay. goes back to the whole indoctrination thing that you're talking about. Getting yep. getting the kids early. He turned he turned like cigarettes. Three. You gotta he get goes them with to the high young. quality pre-K. By the way, the, the fact that they say the can can you imagine? Always think of the government programs as the DMV. That's your model. Can you imagine the DMV be like? When he turns three, he does a high quality. He go, he goes to the DMV for pre-K. Whoa. I'm not sure I'd use the phrase high quality for that, but thanks. There's two things you can think of. Go ahead. I keep saying that every time someone says, oh, I want the government to control my health care. And I'm like, wait, have you been to the DMV? I don't even drive. I've been there. That place is a nightmare. (laughs) Not just the DMV. I mean, look at the uh, medical system for vets. Oh, God, yeah. 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 I live in Phoenix. You know, the big uh, article was about the one here and how horrible it was. It was awful. Well, under Bush, there was this huge scandal with the. Um, uh, I, I'm totally blanking what, what what the acronym is for um, Head Start 
or the vet veterans hospital thing. Veterans, the veterans hospital stuff. Oh, I don't remember, but I remember what scandal you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Um, Shit, and I, I'm completely forgetting what the system's called. Anyway, um, but yeah, there's a huge scandal, and, and it's like you, and we're talking about like there's like mold in these hospitals for, that mm-hmm. the veterans would go to. I mean, it was absolutely horrible. And it's like you're right. It's like, yeah, think think of the DMV and, and think of the the medical care that our veterans get. Right, and um, now think. By the way, what if the DMV's purpose? The was VA. To thank you. Thank you. Car. It's the <laughs> VA. Oh, VA. Yeah. All right, so yeah. we'll say so we indoctrinate the kids at three. Then what happens? Oh, they uh, uh, they now leave school. high school. Okay, they, yeah, they get they go to college, a community college, where they they I love this, where they get Pell grants. You know, because um, if right. you know anything about so Pell grants, you you have no money. You typically are poor if you get a Pell grant. Uh, right. and, and so the, the funny one. thing about it is he, he learns to become a solar wind <laughs> technician. <laughs> and the but he doesn't learn the most important wind. thing. Which is that wind is not constant and doesn't blow all the time. They know they skipped that over in his entire education. Yeah. Oh, and oh, the, the fact that the wind turbines are not recyclable. <laughs> yeah, and their average lifespan is what ten or twenty years or something, and they, and they, they require an, a massive amount of toxic uh, uh, processing and mining of pretty horrible. Uh, yeah, and uh, the the cycle continues. Mm-hmm. Essentially, we 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 see hey. uh, Linda and her son, who basically has a kid of his own, and the. Yeah, the cycle repeats. Cradle to grave. I always well, found thanks this for showing disturbing. us what the inside of the prison looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I found this disturbing because of the idea that, like, it suggested this idea that uh, this regime would be longer than four years. And I was like, you can't. I'm like, you're implying that you're always going to be in power to have this continue for the entire life of span of a human being and that is a terrifying prospect that you are saying that well at the the end of the day what they're selling is a fantasy right i mean they're selling you the best case scenario which we all know is highly unlikely you know it it, it sounds great it sounds wonderful it's guaranteed i will bet my house that this would never happen this way he get he can pass the plan exactly as he wants this is not how it will go it's not highly unlikely, Ian. It's impossible. Yeah. It no, it, all we have to do is redistribute the world's wealth. <laughs> right, yeah. All we have to do is take it from the people who work and know how to earn it and give it to the people who don't. Um, yeah. I, I, the kids stuff, man, the best thing you can do, raise a kid who thinks independently and is self-sufficient like – Teach them to be entrepreneurs. Teach them to think independently. Do not indoctrinate them. Like, don't don't counter indoctrinate them. If they're going to yeah. go off and have their moments where they have they dye their hair uh, pink and cut it short and get a nose ring and scream about you know uh, I don't know who's, who do they scream about Rupert Murdoch <laughs> who knows right yeah. and they, they cry I about no, George kid, Bush no or idea what kids rebel against these days they basically yeah, have whatever. everything they're allowed to they're, go they rebel like, against their gender is what they do. Sure. Well, I mean, don't let them get surgery, but you know, let them <laughs> let, let them go through their stages. But if you teach them how to think early on, you I think you'll be surprised at how easily they reject bad ideas. My daughter, who's listening to me right now, so it's kind of weird to talk about her, but she's sitting in front of me doing homework. Um, like, 
you know, I'm probably not going to agree with every decision that she makes, but she'll she'll hear stuff, and she like I don't have to have talked about it. She's already like, oh, that's stupid for reason A, B, and C, and they're not mentioning X, Y, and Z, and like this is illogical. And it's like, yeah, like, yeah, like it, yeah. kids need to learn that authority. And this is the problem that I have with a lot of uh, conservatives who believe that what they need to ki- teach their kids is respect for their authority. Um, and you don't, you need to actually eradicate respect for authority and you need to teach kids that their own Question thinking authority. mind is the authority. It needs to be questioned. And the authority is reality. It's reason and facts. Mm-hmm. And like that, that's the authority and their job is to be a slave to reason and facts and evidence. That's their job. That's <laughs> how they survive. Right. <laughs> if, if facts contradict their belief, they need to change their belief and if facts contradict what someone's telling them, that person's wrong, no matter well, who don't, it don't is. Don't you know the facts are wrong, right? I mean, <laughs> right? Yeah. So remember the Clinton or the the Clinton. Uh, I was just telling my daughter this the other day when the Clintons uh, were in charge. Uh, Bill Clinton was president. Do you remember where they used the phrase? Maybe you guys are too young. They they introduced the oh, phrase. I was, I was in my twenties during that time period. So <laughs> okay, yeah, me too. That statement is no longer operative. <laughs> Remember they, oh, they used yeah. this phrase? So they would like say something and then it would like later be a lie. And instead of like saying like, oh, that was a lie or we changed it, they'd be like, oh, that statement's no longer operative. And they would just move on to a different statement. Uh, yeah, it's, sorry, it's just, the, modern, the modern day parlance is alternative facts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The science is, the, yeah. Um, the science. And I, I'd say that, like, if you can teach your kids to think for themselves, to, like, really consider things and everything, whether or not you're able to be very involved in their actual education, I think they could still stand up to it. Um, like, I, my parents were not able to be very involved. They didn't go to school board meetings. Um, I, I was lucky if they got, were able to go to a PTA meeting because they worked nights. But right. I... I was taught to think for myself, to stand up for myself. So I did not get crushed into submission by, by my public schooling. And so it's like, even if you can't get them out of public school, I think it is possible to get your kids through it without them losing themselves to this chic mentality. Uh, But I mean, that, that involves a kind of parenting that I don't think a lot of, a, a large portion of the population is willing to do. Uh, and, and I think that's sad because I think every parent should do that. I think every parent should put instill in their uh, child, like individuality, strength of, of character and reason and logic. I think those are the most important things a parent can do for their child. And, uh, and it's just something that I, I think, needs to be valued more when it comes to parenting more than the hugs and the i i was there for you when you were crying when you scraped your knee i i really think those other things are more important yeah I, I, they are strength. but yeah i i think that uh getting involved with the, the pta and in, in, in kids education i mean if you can't pull them out of school teach them yourself you know that that's that's good join join like the pods they do for teaching or whatnot because you want to make sure that they're not being indoctrinated because that's what schools unfortunately you can always, I guess you can make the argument they've always been, schools have always been about indoctrination. It's just a different form of indoctrination that we're seeing now. Yeah, and I, um, 
I, all right, I guess I can, I'm going to go here. So <laughs> I was not going to go here, but I'm going to go here. Um, go there. Look, until very recently, and I'm not saying this out of misogyny, but until very recently, uh, kids typically had two parents <laughs> living in the same house together. Typically. And one parent was working and one parent was staying home with them. Now, usually that was the woman. I don't really care who it is. Uh, obviously, when they're getting breastfed, it's hard for that not to be the woman. Um, yeah. But um, it doesn't it doesn't matter so much who it is. It typically was the woman, um, maybe for legacy reasons, maybe for, you know, women prefer to do that biological reasons that would, you know, make people pissed off if you started saying on average that's <laughs> they're more likely to choose that, right? Uh, but regardless, oh, you, you, you want to hear something funny, Carter, when, when, when given what? options, if women had the option of going to work or staying home and being a mother. Oh, I know. Yeah. yeah they, they, didn't, they didn't stay home. Of course. Right. Yeah. So along came, um, I think, I think by this point, uh, feminism was already, uh, going off the rails in some respects. They had already lost the narrative, um, because what they started to do was vilify women who chose to stay home. Mm. And tell Great. women that if what they what they did, ironically, is the feminists used the male idea, the male conception of power hierarchy and what matters, the male value system. And they took it and imposed it on women and said, you only matter if you matter according to the male value system, which is all about money and success in a career. They didn't, and and if you like, and if you at all have an alternate value system that involves, I don't know, raising your kids, managing the family, like like creating a uh, uh, an environment for the family that is wonderful that you enjoy and enjoying your life, that's a horrible value system. You are a slave. You just don't know it. You're an idiot. You're not being self actualized. Stop it, right? And so they came in with this attitude, and mm -hmm. of course, the government loves the idea of putting everyone in the workplace. When you show that Biden uh, cartoon, right? It's like what they mean is like I'm, I'm a, a templatized version of that would be taxpayer name makes blah, blah, blah. And has a kid like it's a taxpayer. They, they want more tax. It doubles the taxpayers. If, and in fact, it can more than double the taxpayers because if you're both working, often now you have to hire someone to watch your kids. So now another, all that is income. If only one person works and the other person stays home, guess who's not paying taxes? The person staying home, the childcare mm -hmm. facility, the all like all this other crap and support services that you need because you're out both working. So the government. I, I, I want to bring up something really, really quickly that you you briefly touched on the whole thing with the what we've seen with the left and the push for women not having kids and choosing careers. One of the things that was really interesting about this is that you kind of saw that with Sex in the City. That was a big push mm -hmm. in Sex in mm -hmm. the City. Uh, the irony behind all this is that uh, Candace uh, Bushnell, the woman who created Sex in the City, uh, who is in her 60s, uh, this actually came out like a couple of years ago. Yeah, 2019. She regrets choosing her career over having children. This is a woman that was pushing it. Yep. And, you know, it, it's just kind a, of ironic that, but, but this is, it's another know, inconvenient fact, though. A lot of women that yeah, made that decision do about. regret it later they in do. life. Yeah. Not all of them. Here's the thing that I, I want to say about when it comes to women, women 
and, and this is just from how I understand women, is that they want someone to tell them what will make them happy. And to some extent, the whole, the, they don't want to actually examine what will make them happy. And it kind of pisses mm -hmm. me off because I'm sort of like, you fought to be empowered. And then you didn't, instead of taking that empowerment from getting the vote, from, you know, opening up options for yourself yep. as a as a group, you just let someone else tell you what to do again. And yeah, that's, that, is that is accurate. Yeah. And my problem with that is that it's like not everyone's life has to match in lockstep. I, that, I mean, I always felt that way. Right. Like, I, I know I'm not an average woman. I know that I'm not I, I, I'm not like most women who want to have babies. Like mm -hmm. the fact that most women want to have babies, that's not that's not like some deep, dark secret or something like alien or weird. No, that's freaking normal. Most people want to have kids. <laughs> the fact that I don't doesn't discount that, nor does the fact that most people mm -hmm. want to have kids discount the fact that I don't. And then it's right. like, I'm not so insecure that I get upset about the fact that other people want to have kids. Why would that upset me? And the same yeah. thing in the reverse. And, and that, that's one thing too that has happened is like it, it used to be uh, when a woman didn't want to have kids, it was looked down upon, and and it got to the point where it was normalized, and that's fine. I, I think it's you know, obviously people having a bodily autonomy and and being able to make their own decisions is very important, whether you're male or female. But we, as you pointed out, we started seeing women being demonized for picking to be a stay-at-home mother rather than having a career. That never. And it's like, but I thought it was about choices. I thought it was about women being able to make their own decisions. And not right. about but pressuring the fe feminists don't. Lifestyle. So that's the thing. The feminists didn't actually respect women enough. What they said was, you're too stupid to make your, you're making the wrong choices, you stupid brainwashed housewife idiot. Yeah. You have to do what the feminist leftist professor says you should want to do, which is go be a, you know, lawyer. Um, yeah. That's, that's, that's how you actualize. Um, <laughs> and, you, you know, getting back to this. I just want to get back to this government thing for a second. You you get sure, go the government loves that you're all now you got two taxpayers. They can't support the kid. So now they've got to pay someone else. So now you get all this tax revenue and it creates pressure because uh, the government can start taxing more and more and more. They can create a lot of economic pressure. Now you've normalized both of you working. Now they feel like, well, now we can't afford good school or uh, the childcare or whatever. So now the government appears like a savior to step in and say, oh, we'll take care of those things for you, mm -hmm. right? And what they did was they normalized two-parent incomes. They normalized two parents working. They made you feel like that's the norm, that to get by, you need two people working. And maybe they also made that a reality by wrecking the economy. But like they, they, they made that. <laughs> so that's the thing that you got used to. And now you're turning to them for help when you have some other situation where you, okay, well, we can't afford this extra thing. And of course, they've normalized single motherhood. Um, they've, they've said, as we well, saw in the, in the, you know, the Biden things. Yeah. Right. And, and they love single mothers because single mothers are in an impossible situation. Mm -hmm. they they need they need to spend time and money and energy on their children but there's only 24 hours in a day they got to sleep some of them and they also and they also have to earn money like it's almost impossible to do that well unless you are a white collar worker and can make a whole bunch of money and and pay someone else to to watch your kid 
Um, so, I mean, it's, it's a really, man, it is, it's insidious and it's pernicious. And like, and here we are telling people, Hey, the solution to this problem is more government, government, <laughs> take over to your kids for you. That's the solution. Right. Mm-hmm. When it actually, it's like, Hey, you know, you could go back. We could, we could go back to a time when you were taxed much less when one person was enough to, you know, uh, provide you, an income you really think we can go back for your family? Well, I mean, theoretically, we could. No one's going to do that, obviously. But yeah. yeah, I mean, could we go back? Yes. If anyone on the stream was, you know, king of the universe for a year, sure. Like you could, you could unravel stuff and go back. It would be shocking to the system, and I think. A lot of people would be like, "Ah, I gotta go get work. I uh, can't get my wife." I, I, I think I like, think a lot of people know. would not give it up because of modern convenience. They they don't want to, and I think a lot of people have now they they view kids as a an accessory, not yes. a responsibility. Yeah. Um, which is disgusting. Uh, and but the government loves that as well. The government wants you pumping out kids that you view as an accessory that you don't have time and money for because they would love to handle them because they'll just indoctrinate them and they get more voters later on. And they those voters will be more NPC than you are because they'll be deeper indoctrinated, less likely to fight uh, against them and more willing to be compliant. So I think that's what they're trying for, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, they they yeah. won't. E- they're not even happy if you only have one kid. The whole one and done thing is that's unacceptable because that's not even replacement level, and that that just drives. Them I, well, crazy. I don't think they care about replacement level. Anymore, no, they don't. Do they? They, they want to drive the population down. Yeah, and 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 or well, it also when you're below replacement level, you need to bring in uh, immigrants outside. Yeah. Um, and one thing that the one the one thing that the uh, that the government really likes about immigrants from basically anywhere. I mean, not, I'm sure there's exceptions. I'm not saying everyone, right? Obviously. Uh, but in general, there's an American, I'm going to use the word spirit, but you guys know I'm an atheist. So like, I, I mean that in the metaphorical sense, there's an American spirit, which is part of the American culture, which is a little bit more independent and self-governing than mm-hmm than elsewhere not completely but and it certainly it's died over the years but still more than anything you know go travel somewhere else there's still more americans still have this more of an attitude of like i got a right and i got independence and i can like there's, there's still more of that uh that attitude in americans and that attitude is harder to indoctrinate it's harder to control it's harder to like we're a pain in the ass to the establishment uh americans i mean the establishment is kind of anti-American in the sense of what America actually stands for. Yeah. Um, not really just kind is, of, like completely, right? So it's like, it's being run by people who hate the philosophical foundations of America. They hate the spirit of America explicitly. Um, and so it's better to have people who have less of that spirit come in because you can, you know, especially if they're dependent, they can be, they can rely on your government services at the very beginning and help you acclimate and help your kids and blah, blah, blah. Like, now they're good. They're good. They're good. They're good servants. They're good uh, citizens moving forward. And they're much preferable to some dude who thinks he's like, you know, I'm the next Paul Revere. I'm warning everyone and I'm going to, you know, let's go start a revolution. Like, that's not fun to govern. They don't no. want that. <laughs> no, 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 no. 
I don't want free thinking individuals out there. That's no, the reason. Not at all. Why, um, you know, we see all the censorship on Twitter. It's the reason why we see the censorship on YouTube. Um, you know, there's still that, uh, as Unsafe Space is aware, very aware when it comes to mentioning certain topics on YouTube and it being against a certain narrative <coughs> and getting strikes. <laughs> so, yeah. Not doctor, by the oh, way. Oh, microns. Um, yeah. Uh, you can't. You can't. But I, the... Listen, listen to every politician. I mean, even even I know a lot of people love Trump, but Trump did this too. He's more of a populist. But listen to any time Obama or any of the prior presidents talk about what makes America special. Because they all have some moment in their presidency where they're expected to make some rallying speech about why America is awesome, right? Like they, <laughs> even the ones that kind of are clearly kind of hate America deep down. They need to like put on a show for the mainstream about why, you know, oh, Americans are special because of blah, blah, blah. All of the reasons they list are wrong. There have mm -hmm. always been wrong my entire life. The list of reasons are completely wrong, right? They ne no one ever gets up and says, you know what makes America special? We'd never trust our government. We are like it was our, our constitution was designed to limit the power of these assholes in Washington. And <laughs> you, it's a self-reliant country where individualism reigns and you have a right a priori to probably it predates the government and and the government shouldn't be allowed to do anything like that's what makes me like no one says that. No, they don't. No one. Well, no, not especially when it's when you're talking about the president, because the president is part of the federal system about expanding federal power. So they don't want that. They're they're the antithesis to that idea. And in, in, in fact, because they've been expanding federal power every single time. So, yeah, yeah. they'll never say it. So this right. is funny. So Peter says, Carter, uh, 2024. I think your campaign slogan should be tear it all down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, vote for me and I'll free black pills for everyone. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, uh, it's, this is the thing. And someone like me would never want the job. Right. Yeah, I, think it, I actually think it would be easier. I, I, I mean, I mean this in all sincerity. I'm not trying to be funny. It would be easier, easier to secede and start over than it would be to fix the cesspool in Washington. It's, it hands down easier to secede. Not that it's easy. One of my concerns about secession, and uh, I get this, uh, I talk about this on occasion too, and some people push always push back on it, is um, is the whole China situation. I, I think if that we we as the United States would break apart, that uh, China would use that as an opportunity to strike. I don't. I don't, I don't either. I, mean, I see that risk. Uh, China's got. I mean, look. And China's I know China's got, got, a got lot problems. Of its own problems. It does. Uh, it might use that opportunity to invade Taiwan mm -hmm. uh, because would you know we're busy and distracted. Uh, but I, you're not going to like this answer. But China's too smart to do that. It costs too much. It's too. It burns too many resources. Um, they don't need to do that. They already own a bunch of our debt. Uh, China by by strike, I'm not talking about militarily. Um, 
yeah, necessarily. Sure. I hope that they do if there's a secession, because if there's a secession, I'm on the side that no longer holds U.S. dollars. And I hope China <laughs> dumps their dollars. Good for China. Like, I mean, not that I, you know, support the commies, but like, look, we don't. Sure. Maybe they will use that opportunity. I don't care. Like to me, the the prize of an actual free state, like an act, like a place that really is anywhere near legally what America used to be. Yeah. Is so beautiful and so powerful and so productive and just so it's such a brilliant star of light that if that happens, you know what? They can invade Taiwan. People can, you know, do all the things that governments are going to do and destroy each other in the ways that governments are going to destroy each other. Mm-hmm. That new country will very soon be an economic and world superpower if it wants to, because the productivity that gets unleashed when you let people be free is unthinkable. It's what happened. I mean, America was a crappy a crappy, shitty little set of colonies with some poor, stupid farmers. They didn't have universities really to speak they of. Beat the, they didn't the greatest have a lot of empire industry. in the world. <laughs> it was shit. United yeah. States was shit. All they did was say, "Hey, we're going. The governments are going to leave you alone. Let's see how that goes." Boom! It did not take long to suddenly get to the point where it's a world superpower. It, that didn't take long. No, it didn't. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. Uh, I that, agree with Carter on this that I, I don't do think China would I don't think they would militarily invade. And I don't think I don't see a distinction currently with China with like what what is China going to do more of? They're already buying land. They're already. <laughs> it was funny because that's what they already own all the social is, media and tech it's not like Yeah, and everything. <laughs> so they, they already are in bed with all of our corporations. So I'm sort of like, what what more could go wrong at that point if you oh, don't I think, think I it's think military? I think you could be very surprised um, <laughs> that there's more that could go wrong. But, yeah, but then I, at I, the I, same I, time. It's, it's a risk I'm pointing out. I, I agree with Carter. Yeah, I think that's probably the only thing that would probably fix the situation is for people to go, fuck it, we're out of here. Yeah, uh, and, I think so too. If Trump was to win again, that's a good possibility. You could see that in a uh, blue state saying, fuck it, we're out of here. <laughs> what, Cal Sure, sure, sure. And actually that's worse. I would rather be this <laughs> secession. I would rather be on the side exiting than like the Wokies seceding leaves us with this like, disgusting job of the hut federal government we got to dismantle like <laughs> no what the hell like who wants that i don't want that they can take it they're the ones who love it they're just going to want to rebuild it when in their newly seceded country so why don't they just take it i don't want it well and then also at the same time when it comes to what's going on like comparing like the federal government versus the ccp and what they do all i could think is like I don't see a distinction between the CCP crushing me and the federal government crushing me uh, when it comes to my civil liberties. I, I, I don't do. I see a distinction there. I do too. I, you know what my distinction is, though? It won't be the same as the ends. China is thousands of miles away and doesn't give a shit about me. True. <laughs> They're way less of a threat than Washington. Like, if you're yeah. worried about being crushed by a totalitarian government, stop worrying about China. Like yeah, they're yeah, busy I, figuring out their own crap. And to be frank, they're not communists. They are authoritarian, right? But they're not communists. They are opportunistic authoritarians. They have figured out how to run a tax farm 
in an authoritarian manner. They can call it whatever they want, but it's not communism. Um, and they do whatever is pragmatically the most efficient thing to keep them in power and keep their economy going. And like, okay, it's, One of the things it's horrible, that, uh, it, but you know, I'm way over here. Yeah. <laughs> and that, I mean, that is a very valid point. And, it, and if we're, if we're talking about, um, you know, a hypothetical situation, I would say China's worse, but yeah, you're right. You know, the United States government is here. And one of the things I thought was interesting with that Glenn Beck uh, podcast that we were tagged in, um, they were mentioning the whole idea of, oh, we need authoritarianism to fight climate change. And that's an actual threat to us. <laughs> the United States adopting authoritarian measures to implement their, uh, you know, actions to fight climate change and, and basically forcing it at the point of a gun. Yeah. In fact, here's how you should be afraid of the Chinese government. As a muse to the authoritarians here, that's the threat from China. Bingo. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's a lot of people that look at, hey, this is wonderful. How do we get in the United States? Right. Ooh, yeah. social credit scores. What a great yeah, idea. Fantastic. How do we, <laughs> how, do we how do we stop people from ever pulling money out of the U.S. ever? Like all this stuff is not – nothing that China Digital is doing currency. is anything that Democrats, like leftists, wouldn't love. Yeah. Oh, totally. No, they, they – yeah. All, the, all that though. control makes them wet. <laughs> it does. I'm glad you said it, not us, because we'd be canceled for it anyway. <laughs> What's this Glenn Beck thing? I didn't hear. What, he called out what? Oh, it, it was in his, his podcast. I'll, I'll I'll send it over to you. But it was uh, it was tagged to Unsafe Space, or I, I think it was tagged to Bev actually, and she tagged me in. Okay. Uh, and the the podcast itself was actually. It was really interesting. And it was like an hour and 35 minutes and with, with his, his guest. And he, he, he was talking about a lot of different things. One of the things uh, which we didn't touch on was the um, whole thing with the cyber warfare thing that the World Economic Forum did, uh, Cyber Polygon. And I, I, I briefly I touched on that, that last year, uh, which is their you know, simulated cyber attack on you, you know, the, the world industries, whatever you want to say it is. And um, it, it, was, um, it was interesting. Um, I'm going to cover that real quick. Cover it. Because I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, sorry. I talked about the super chat. Oh. Anyway. Um, but yeah, Cyber Polygon is a basically mock cyber warfare thing that they were doing last year. And I, I think it they, they did it back in 2019 as well. But they did it in 2020. I, I Initially, it was supposed to be done around July of last year. But apparently, I guess it took place during their meeting uh, when they were doing the great narrative stuff. So that was one of the things that they're talking about. And, huh. and a lot of this, it seems like whenever they do a, a, a mock situation, like what they did with uh, COVID many years ago, you, you're kind of expecting it to happen again. Like, uh, it's like, oh, we're prepping yeah. for this thing that's <laughs> kind of telegraphing that's going to happen pretty soon. There's uh, a, much, you're reminding me of something, Ian. There's a book. Uh, I don't know how many years old it is. It's not, that, it's like maybe 10 years old. I don't know. Um, my lights are flickering, so hopefully I won't lose power. Um, <laughs> Welcome to California. Yeah, this happened. Just happened last week. The generator's still, you know, up and running. So, um, uh, by a guy named Jim Rickards called Currency Wars, and in this book he describes how uh, he participated in something like this. I don't know if this is what it was called, but it was exa exactly this kind of Department of Defense. Uh, how would countries attack each other economically, and how mm -hmm. how could they attack the U.S. economically? 
And at the time, he led his team down this path of China and Russia colluding to to hoard gold and then dump the U.S. dollar. Oh, yeah. And he got kicked out. He got kicked out because they said that would never happen. That's not a realistic scenario. And, of course, what's been happening in the last few years, they've both been accruing gold secretly. I mean, we know it, but, like, we don't know how much. Right. Um, so it's it's weird because you've it's this even this kind of stuff is run by bureaucracies that when someone gets the, up there and talks about the truth of what could actually happen, they're like, no, no, no we don't want to hear that. We want to run. We, we want to run other scenarios, not the, not that one. We yeah. want to run <laughs> scenarios that that enforce whatever the hell narrative we want to do. Probably ones that say we should print more money or whatever. I don't know. Right. Yeah. That, that's actually one thing I, I, I called out last year. I'm surprised it didn't happen, which is um, a- after the Colonial Pipeline cyber attack, I was fully expecting a lot more massive cyber attacks in 2020, which um, I honestly had completely forgotten about. And I'm happy it didn't happen, but I'm surprised it didn't. So maybe maybe we'll see some more stuff happen in 2022. Yeah. It's weird because if we start seeing cyber attacks, this, here, this will be my... Uh, I'll put on my tinfoil hat for this. <laughs> I'm not going to believe whoever they blame. Yeah. Oh, no. I'm not going to believe they'll, they'll say China did it or Russia did it or someone. And I'm going to, I, I, you know what? I'm just not going to believe it. I'm so, I'm just saying it now. Maybe I'm being rational. I just, I'm not going to believe whoever they say it was that attacked us. I'm not going to believe it. Yeah, dude. That's, um, that's such a tough one uh, because it's a very good possibility that it could be done, you know, from within. Um, well, I mean, it's what, what a great way. I mean, keep in mind. Or the other thing too is they could always proxy it. They could always hire some Russian hackers to do it. Sure, of course, right? Yeah, yeah, but they don't need to. I mean, look, they've got we've got this bloated monstrosity of unelected government. That need oh there goes Ian. That needs no, I'm more. Sorry. I'm, I'm like itching my nose. I'm, I'm tired of looking at myself on screen itching my nose. Sorry, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, but this this bloated entity needs more and more and more and more, um, and they have massive amount of control. I it's just not that far fetched that they'll be like, hey, well, what if we create a crisis by doing blah blah blah, and like then we'll get this. The politicians aren't because politicians actually don't always do what the what this bureaucracy wants because they're kind of pragmatists they're usually less idealist and they're much more pragmatists about getting elected and mm-hmm. their own saying the right things and virtue signaling getting on cnn and whatever like interest involved and yeah way, you're reminding that, me of that movie wag the dog yeah yeah the manufacturer yes. crisis yeah yeah exactly and like we already know again not to be conspiracy theorists but look these are conspiracies that we know about we already know countless examples of the cia doing yeah, horrible, horrible things, some of which involved Americans and America, mm-hmm. some of which involved other countries that are surreptitious, um, that are cl- clandestine surreptitious attempts to create false flag or other events to move the needle politically. And I, look, I, look what's happening with freaking January 6th. Today's January 6th. Look what's happening with January 6th. It's, oh, yeah. it's, it's worse than 9-11. It's the Did worst thing since 9-11 in Pearl Harbor. It's like, <laughs> oh, my God. There's this one thing I, I retweeted out. It was this um, 
it was this picture. Uh, I, I guess it was a video uh, from the candlelight vigil uh, that was set up by uh, uh, Disclosed TV. And I responded, 30 dead in the George Floyd slash BLM riots in 2020. No vigil, no congressional hearing. Right. No, and no one's not been detained for a year in jail without being tried. No. And, and remember, That's the, the, the things that, that really the, is driving me nuts is how yeah. all the people are being detained without trial. I'm like, And, and you know what the charges are? criminal trespassing that's a misdemeanor. yeah i knew it was trespassing yeah what i was like i i was talking they keep saying about how this is an attack on democracy an attack on Not treason trespassing. no and it's like a real attack on everything that america stands for is you guys holding them in in prison for more than a year with for nearly a year with no trial that is that is an assault on everything that you claim to be in support of. It drives me crazy. Yeah. If the ACLU yeah. were even a shadow of what it once was, they would be screaming every night on major news networks about this. Yeah. The thing I, I find really funny about it, uh, I, I was only aware of like two people that died on January 6th. There was the one police officer that they're trying for the longest time saying that he was killed by rioters, which is not the case. The guy had a stroke. Yep. And obviously, obviously Ashley Babbitt, who was shot by, um, um, I don't know, police officer, federal agent, whatever. Uh, so I was aware of two. Uh, but apparently they said that it was five people that died. So yeah. how, how many they people count, that? They count the suicides of... They count the suicides like months and weeks later. Of Are you serious? Mm -hmm. That was yeah, yeah, they do. Oh my yeah. god, that's yeah. where they're coming from. Yeah. So even if they didn't stretch so. the numbers, saying that this is worse than nine eleven or Pearl Harbor is just so stupid. It's so crazy. insulting. I had um one of my coworkers. He's in the UK. He was talking about this. He's like, he's like, this this stuff is crazy. I mean, he he's like, first first off, he's like, I'm in Britain. Why the hell are they playing? You know. Biden's speech here and he's like it, it, he was talking about just how he felt it was so inflammatory and he's like he doesn't even live here and he's basically calling yeah. bullshit on this stuff yeah well and you see and it's not just the US right did you see Macron what he did in he called French unvaccinated French not citizens and he like basically said they're not citizens and we're going to go after them and make their life hell or whatever um well then trudeau said that they should the vaccination should not be tolerated i think was the word he used <laughs> right 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 <laughs> his own canadian repressive tolerance but he would do it nicely because he's canadian please yeah. please sir <laughs> enter your padded cell um <laughs> Here's your concert. The concentration camps will have fresh maple syrup every day. They'll be, fine. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be lovely by the beach, you know, in, in, yeah. in Australia. <laughs> the, they, they will be relaxation camps. <laughs> yeah, they'll be relaxation camps. <sighs> All right. I, um, I'm sorry. I got another yeah, stream I, I, I need to do in 30 minutes. Yeah. So we should probably start wrapping things up. You're in charge. I just showed up. I hope no, I didn't that's cool, man. That's cool. Up, um, I appreciate you jumping on, man. I think I think it was great. Uh, my uh, as funny. I was telling Alex uh, beforehand. I was like concerned about streaming by myself because uh, I'm a terrible conversationalist with myself, and eventually I'll get to the point where I, I'm done. I can't talk anymore. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be I've, a short been that on, 
I've been doing that on Wednesday nights and it's a challenge because I'm like, I, ha- I know I have stuff to get through, but I'm still like, there's no one to save me when I stop for a minute and like have a brain fart. It's like, yep. ah, the silence is just there. It's only me. With, with uh, the learning disability, I hate reading articles by myself because there's no one there to correct me or say, okay, that word is this. <laughs> <laughs> right. It, it, it's pretty funny, man. Um, whenever uh, I, I do a, a video for Unsafe Space or even for like my channel, it's um, sometimes I, I want to release the behind the scenes stuff of how I re- fuck things up when I'm recording because I think it would be great comedy. Sure, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I've, I've done that. I ha- I used to do a lot of reviews and I would do voiceover and then like put images to them. And there were a couple of times where I like could not say this thing. So there's like five minutes of me trying to say the word indistinct. I still can't say that word. Are there Indistin- certain words I have? Oh. <laughs> And I'm like, I, so I, I will like, be going through like multiple paragraphs and I'll hit a word and I'm like, nah, 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 nah. And I <laughs> blow the take. <laughs> Maybe we should make an outtakes thing for the subscribers on like, and put it on discord or somewhere. Where, uh, oh, they probably love it. So <laughs> it yeah. yeah. Watch Ian have problems saying words. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's even worse. Now, uh, I don't have the Invisalign in right now, which is the reason why I'm, you know, not slurring everything like I normally have been doing for like the last couple of weeks, um, which I need to actually put in pretty soon. But yeah, I mean, it's it just like um, anytime I record a video, I got to take the thing out or it's like, it, it's just, I can't, I can't talk. <laughs> it's, great, it's great for live streams. It makes everybody laugh. The fact that I can't say certain syllables, but yeah. Anyway, I was hoping there'd be more Q and A because that was what got me to want to do a a live, uh, well, a live stream, live video. There, uh, a live stream is that people want to do some Q and A, and we got like a few. We got one question, so I I, I had fun it doing always this. Always happens that way, man. People are like, yeah. you need to do Q and A, or you need to do this, that, and then you do it, and like four people respond to it, and it's like, well, I guess I didn't need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Bungalow Logic, Comics Division. Uh, see if you can get Carter to uh, grift his way onto FNT this week, writing Carrie's coattails. Yeah, dude, okay. you should come on FNT. I'm a bad I, don't I would go on, but I don't like. I don't know if if they invite me on Friday Night Tights, I'll go on Friday Night Tights. I'll be bad at talking about uh, pop culture. Um, some pop culture, I'm okay. fine at, but like you know, comic books, probably I'll have. But you know, I got, I have my. Mandalorian thing behind me and Gorton Clack too. I'm a little bit of a nerd and my Firefly dance, you know, it's okay. I love Firefly. Have you been watching the book of Boba Fett? I haven't. It's trash. Don't. Oh, <laughs> okay, good. I am. Um, I'm not a fan of Disney. Um, not, not, not because I just, I just, I want to be a Disney hater, but it's like, um, I'm probably one of the few people that has been very critical of Mandalorian. I, I found it to be mediocre. And, and oh, I liked it because it was. Way. I was comparing it to all of the previous Star Wars that have happened, except for the ones in my childhood. Yeah, and by that standard, it was okay. Yeah, it was I mean, it was it was safe, um, but it was, in my opinion, it, it's pretty mediocre. And it, it for what I was expecting, which was about this bounty hunter going through the galaxy hunting people, we we didn't get a lot of that. So expectations subverted. Fair enough. I had no expectations, so I was like, I was like. I'm going to watch. We had Disney Plus for some reason for a month or whatever. And I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this because, and I assume it's going to be like a cesspool of woke crap. And I was like, oh, well, I mean, it kind of is. It's okay. 
no, I was like, oh, it's all right. Like the baby it's, it's, it's more subtle. Uh, th- there are patterns I picked up. I, I've literally watched every series with the exception of the Bad Batch. And, and there's okay. definitely certain patterns I've picked up. Um, and w- w- wow. Which is, you know, yeah. Lady Bosses. Well, I miss Firefly. Yeah, it's in everything. Oh, they, they have multiple Lady Bosses and yeah, you know, women. Oh, I'm yeah. so sick of the woman in charge yeah. trope. Like, it's uh well the other thing too which is uh, i always harp on because um you know I, I like talking about sexual dimorphism because it's a thing is that it, it, the 90 pound <gasps> woman taking out the 200 pound man that, that always oh. makes me laugh at least oh, they cast someone and, who and, actually and, could kick my ass chrono. yeah 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 right? absolutely <laughs> I mean, it's like i totally buy that it's like I, here's the thing I, I, I always have to point this out because you know people want to label you as sexist when you point this stuff out it's like I'm five nine. Okay, I, I'm I'm not the biggest man around. There's definitely bigger dudes out there, and you know, a woman kicking his ass is just as believable of me kicking the guy's ass, uh, which is not going to happen. Um, right. And and, that, and that's the reason why I take martial arts. You, you yes, a woman can defeat a male larger than him doing certain things, but that requires training. Right, and she and, has to uh, be better trained than he is. Yeah. Yeah, their skill levels can't match. Hers has to be far and above his for that skill to matter. Because if they match, well, then his more body weight, mm-hmm. uh, longer reach, uh, more physical strength is going to crush her no matter what. Yeah. And well, that, it, that's it, the it's, problem. It's the reason why you wouldn't ever a, um, you know, a man abuses a woman. It's obviously more devastating. Um, but when a female um, attacks a man or is abusing a man, um, either they're using a weapon like a you know, frying pan or something, um, or if they are just punching and kicking whatnot, they're not going to be, the man is not going to be as physically harmed um, yep. as if it was the other way around. So, yep. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. I'll Doesn't make it any less wrong, though. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah. it's something that it never gets pointed out. It's like, it, it's, you know, one thing, I, I've heard, and I, I don't have the stats to back it up. I've always heard this, is that there's actually more abuse uh, of um, men by women, but because the brutality is far less than a man um, beating on a woman, it doesn't get talked about as much. Yeah, and they the cops don't, don't care about it. Yeah, They, they don't, don't report it as much. They don't have shelters to go to. They don't have support in the court system or from the law. Uh this is a, a, a subject I could go on for about forever. And I did research it. And one of the things is that when, if a man calls the cops because of abuse, um, the rate at which there's the dual arrest goes up 300%. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if a and- woman were to call, it's like three times less likely that she would also be arrested. And that's well, ridiculous. The, the one thing that you point out is the whole thing with shelters is the fact that there is no men's shelter. The one they, when they, um, there was an attempt several years ago at setting up a men's shelter and it was closed down by feminist. It's no. pretty disgusting, but yeah. Well, yeah. Someone some someone points out, you can just identify as a woman now and you're, you're in. So you're <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that was years ago before all that, man. I mean, come on. Yeah. Well, and then also the thing is, though, is that some women's shelters won't let women bring their teenage sons. Yeah. Well, I understand so some women why. don't. Yeah. Yeah, but they like the the problem though is that with that is that like women are not leaving if they have a teenage son because they mm. don't want to leave their teenage son with right. their abusive spouse. Uh, because that's fair. That's fair point. Yeah, 
I mean, you got to find a place for those kids too. They're still minors. Yeah. yeah. All right. On that note, I guess we should wrap things up. Um, no, I mean, it's like I said, I got, I got my own live stream in 17 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think we'd be going this long, but we did. We shouldn't that's, keep you. Fantastic. Yeah. You no. should go do your thing. Yeah. It's been, it's been a crazy day. So, um, thanks everyone who, who showed up. Um, I know that this is typically a little smaller than the typical Carrie Carter stream, but I do appreciate everyone coming out. Thank you, Alex, for hopping on with me because I would be floundering by myself. And uh, I don't think people would be as entertained. <laughs> and thanks, Carter, for you jumping on too. That, that was great. It was fun to see in Discord. I was like, oh, cool. He's doing a live stream. Sure. So, yeah, thanks for yeah, doing I, that. I think I'll make a point of maybe doing that once a month, talking about the Great Reset stuff. Cool. Yeah. So, Cool. Um, all right. Um, how do you guys typically do your outros? You talk about you have to tell Beverly to run the credits because she's not really good at figuring out when to do it. No, I wasn't <laughs> sure if you guys talk about where they could find you. Yeah, I, I like, hey, this is Carter, he's on Twitter. You can follow him here. <laughs> you can find him on Unsafe Space. And then there's Alex. Alex. I don't think they do it like a mall though. <laughs> no, that that's just me being silly. <laughs> <laughs> You don't uh, like my North yeah, Atlantic however accent. However you want. North remind, accent, people, remind people to follow you and subscribe and all that stuff. I don't know. Whatever you want to do. It's your mm -hmm. show, man. All right. Um, follow everybody here on the panel. You probably already are. So if you, if you haven't seen my content over at the Comics Division channel, uh, you can go check me out there where I basically these days have just been taking massive crap on Disney shows. Um, but I try and talk about pop culture and occasional politics and keep the great recess stuff over here. But it occasionally makes its way into a stream because uh, of ESG. We talk about that on occasion. But it's Thursday. Uh, tonight, we're going to be talking about pop culture and just some of the crazy stuff over there. Uh, and uh, Alex, do you have a Twitter? You're, are you I was banned Twitter? from Twitter in July. Oh, that's right. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. I've had a Gitter since July, but I, I got it before I got banned from Twitter, actually. But um, I have a I have a YouTube channel, Alice Ball Trades, all one word, mostly gaming. Uh, and then I have a locals, uh, Alice Ball Trades, where I mostly do book reviews. And um, I'm on every social media platform but Twitter. So <laughs> you can find me as Alice Maselli or Alice Ball Trades. All right, and of course there's Carter, and there's me. I'm mostly Not said, roll credits. Don't <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Plug it if there's anything to plug. I, I mean, there's nothing to plug. Uh, subscribe to Unsafe Space and I don't know. You're already here. So yeah, subscribe, support the show, share the show, tell everyone Ian's awesome. I don't know. Whatever you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good night, everyone. Bev, uh, hit those credits. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy, so go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now. And you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there.
Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by Dr. Fauci. All praise be to his name. The following co-conspirators have been asking too many questions. You know what to do. Once the Maxwell trial is over, we promise there will be no more pedophiles among the ruling class. Just one more job to combat the Zeta variant. Oops I mean the Omicron variant. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks of the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.